When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shit going on. Like nobody on my channel ever accuses me of being on coke, but when I go on his thing, everybody accuses me of being on coke immediately. You can see the droplets like by your nose and shit. Like not saying it's coke, but they, 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 like they're seeing everything. It might be like boogers. Yeah, but they're on Taylor Swift for that today. You see that? Oh, are they? Yeah, because oh, yeah. they got a photo of her where it kind of looks like there's some some crusty stuff inside her nose. But from my expert opinion, these are not the kind of Coke boogers that you could actually like say are Coke boogers. Like it, it could maybe be the remnants of some Coke, but highly dubious. And if you're really going to do Coke before like an award show, you'd be way better off doing like an Adderall because you got to do Coke like every 10 minutes. You know, Jack, can y'all see me or am I tweaking right now? Uh, uh, hold on. They might not be able to see me. Oh, no, they can't. All right. Now they can see me. My whole Sorry, y'all can see Oh, okay, the chat is working. The chat's complaining, but uh, I think they're complaining for like other reasons. Okay, you don't go live a lot, do you? Not really. Hey, hey chat, this is perfect. Wait, well, I just gotta center it. Wait, fuck, my guitar did a little bit. Not really, but yeah. Uh, Discord. Oh, here we go. Great, perfect. Let me make this a little bit smaller. Chat, this is gonna be great. All right, perfect. I feel like you've been ducking me, man. I've been trying to call you for many times. Every time I, I call you when something's going down, you tell me you're fucking a bitch. I'm like, damn. I'm like, I got to come to L.A. to see this motherfucker now. No, nah, I just wasn't giving you the, the gratitude of getting the first convo in the middle of uh, Cutgate 2023. You pretty much gave me the, like, you, you know, you actually hit me up before, what well, kind of before, well, actually, no, I saw it, like, the little preview of it, and, like, my all my, like, meme pages, they're like, yo, no, this is real, and I was like, nah, this ain't real, so I hit <laughs> you, and you were like, yeah, it's real, and you were like, no, yo, you can run with it, and I was like, oh, that's, like, the exclusive, like, you're kind of giving me the exclusive. Because let's be honest. No, oh, it was already out there. I just told you, like, you were like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it because it's your baby mama or whatever. And I was like, I was, what? I was like, just talk about it. I was like, what are you fucking talking about? And in, in retrospect, like, there's no way you would have actually been able to avoid talking about it, right? No, no, no. I could have talked about it, but with respect. I think me and you, we've been through some shit and we got to a point that I, especially when you married your woman, I was like, listen, a few little underhanded comments that I would hit you with the jab with, I wouldn't do it anymore because this is not your wife. It, it, like it, this is t this is distasteful. If I actually see you as a peer that that I frequently collaborate you, with, you think that the, the the sanctity of marriage is such a big difference in that regard? Yes. Yo, if it's your girl or if it's like some random girl you're smashing, bro, you gotta hold that. Your wife, because here's the thing. Also thinking when I when I say wife, I'm thinking family. I'm thinking a kid. Right. So now every comment about her, I'm looking at it like, all right, it's one thing if it was your girlfriend. Now this is like your family for life. 
Like, for example, even with, and we're going to talk about it, the, the whole thing with, like, say, Whack, which he was lying. He's like, yo, Whack, yo, your girl got hit by a blue face. Yo, it's one thing if it's like, okay, cool. Let's say if it was true. I'd be like, well, okay, now it's not my girl. Hey, what if it is true? It's not true. But, but here's <laughs> Yo, if, if, if it was true, right, you, you know the easy way I get out of it? And just any guy gets out of it. Right. Just be like, I'm leaving, right? When it's your wife, you can't leave. We're talking about the sanctity of marriage, but the thing is, is that the thing that was to be discussed, the thing that was in the news was me basically taking a huge steaming shit on the Institute of Marriage, or at least that's how I've been led to believe it was to be taken by the Candace Owenses of the world who were very offended by me. Like if we weren't married, it would not have been as big a deal, but to me getting married was pretty much like whatever, being that I don't believe in God or whatever, it was just... It was like a, a, a level of making it more serious, but it didn't really contain any like additional layer of, oh, the relationship is more serious. Now, we already bought a house together, started a business together, and had a kid together before we got married. So getting married was like not a bigger deal than the rest of the shit that we had already done. So this is where we, we're probably going to get into the minutiae of probably where we disagree the most. Why get married? I, I hear everything you say, and I've heard you kind of reiterate these things before. But why even enter into a marriage? I, I know you, you're saying it's a different level of seriousness. I mean, already you guys have business tied together, right? You guys already had a family. What more? Like, why do you think if you don't really give a fuck about the sanctity of marriage? Why did you think that marriage made what you already had going on? even more serious or why did you do well, it it's like if i turn 40 and i don't have a birthday party i'm still 40 you know the party is just to like celebrate it and make it clear make, let make more people know about it have a good time etc you know a way to have like a celebration and also i think like from her perspective especially growing up in, in the Ar armenian culture which is kind of conservative and they take marriage much more serious than i think that my atheist punk rock, hip hop, whatever subcultures that I've been involved in my whole life. Like in hip hop, marriage is not really like, I mean, I guess it is important, but it's not really important to like most of the people that I spend time with or hang out with. But I think from her perspective is important. And for me, it was like, actually, to be honest, my mind changed a shitload as soon as I saw that kid get ripped out of the hole in her stomach, because that kind of made me realize like how permanently bonded to this person I was. And then all of a sudden marriage started to like appeal to me more. It's like, Oh, okay. If I am as serious as I now feel about this commitment and this relationship, I might as well seal it with the thing that our culture has built basically to make it clear that you're serious about your relationship. Right. So, so um, if I'm getting what I'm hearing from you, because also family is important, like family's very much important. Yeah. And, I'm telling you, like, for example, I'm, 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 and I'm being very, just all the way honest. If you never married Lena, Lena would be my number one. Like, if me and you had any, it's no more way to attack it. But once you married her, it, it, it does, it, it means something to me. I understand that. Like, family means something. It's like, just like I would never attack your child. You get right. what I mean? Like, that is something that is sacred. I don't care. Like, and, and I guess I'm wondering, like, maybe you're, is it just you or your whole family don't care about marriage? Uh, no, I mean, my parents have been married for like 40 fucking years. My sister's married to the dude Josh on the channel uh, who works here. Uh, everybody in my family, I would say, takes marriage relatively serious, except me. Like, that was not 
all through my 20s when I was going to the bar and fucking and doing drugs and all this shit, and even in my early 30s and stuff, never once did I think like, oh, I'm looking for the woman that I'm going to marry. Like, that was not at the front of my brain at any point in my life until, really, honestly, though, I, I sometimes think about my relationship, and I think that, in a way, it was like a reaction to how fucking scary getting famous was and how f- immediately, like, fake everybody around me immediately appeared to be as soon as I started to get, like, a certain level of notoriety and just realizing, of like, oh, like, I can't trust anybody. Like, everybody around me is fake as fuck, and, like... I met her around the same time and kind of realized at that time, like, oh, I might have fucked like a hundred girls this year, but this girl's actually like, she really gives a shit about me. She really cares about me. She's actually a good person. And that's pretty much like the thing that like opened me up to even being in a relationship in the first place. Okay. So I'm going to have to start out by trying to get your definition. You could get mine if you, if you care to as well. Because it's probably going to be the context and the pretext needed for any conversations we're going to have, even if it's about your personal relationships to mine, uh-huh. right? What does love mean to you? Because you're, t- you're saying marriage means nothing. What does love mean to you? Uh, I don't know. What the fuck kind of question is this? Is this like a Valentine's Day question or some shit? I mean, I, I feel you. Like, obviously, with, with her, it's like, I feel like we have we have a connection and a commitment to each other that yeah. emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever the fuck that means, et cetera, that we'll be there for each other. You know, it's like I don't know if you're saying this in the context of like how could you then be okay with another dude fucking her for content. But no. yeah, to me that doesn't really like feel contradictory to the the whole relationship thing. Well well I asked that pretty much to know if you look at marriage, because usually for, for the regular people, marriage is usually the ultimate commitment and symbol of what love is, right? right. And that's usually built upon, we want to have a family, we want to have it under some type of covenant of God. And the reason why I ask you that is because I think a lot of people, and I think they correctly assume, and even I assume, I assume that your relationship with Lena is much more business than it is love. No way. Tell me, tell me how it's not. I mean, we were together for like five years before we started the plug talk thing. And during that time period, I would say that we had like very little to do with each other business wise. Like, yes, she would come on to a jumper from time to time. And yes, I was, you know, banging her for fucking OnlyFans or whatever. But the idea that our relationship is like business oriented, not at all. I mean, the plug talk thing kind of like took our relationship and made content out of it. But besides like her being in some vlog thumbnails and shit back in the day i mean she's almost never on the podcast it's not really like a thing we do together it's not really like her lane right um our relationship is like not business related at all i don't think besides the the plug talk shit now so so so, and help help correct me and this is my um remembrance or even the narrative that i believe that happened with you guys right i remember the first time i saw you guys you guys were on uh, my stream and I remember at that point, you probably was early on. So, like, you know, it was probably relatively just like you guys are probably new. But as time went on, I felt that you knew that there, you know, first of all, you're in L.A., very different from where, where I'm at in, on the East Coast or where pretty much anybody else is at. I felt there was a synergy 
of where you realize that where you wanted to bring your brand because your brand, I believe, say 2016, 2017, heavy hip hop. But of course, I think your personal, you know, um, interest in what you kind of wanted to get into was much more than that. Right. So now you're probably also going to all these parties. You're kind of interested in this adult entertainment world. She's also taking a likening to it. And this way I say more business than just just like personal and just um, love. And I know it sounds corny when I say it, but her business interests start to align with some of the interests you were having. Like, for example, if you were repulsed or if you weren't cool, like, say, with the porn world, as you guys were together, if she was having like, hey, I want to kind of do this with OnlyFans or whatever, you would probably be like, hey, our interests are driving us apart. This is what I'm trying to say, and I'm trying to make an eloquent point of, I believe because there's been business um, mutual interest, it's been the thing that's been underlined. I'm not saying there's no love there, but right. that's been the underlying thing that's gotten y'all to here. And and y'all did the perfect move, which y'all should cash out at a certain point. This was a cash out move, and I know you don't believe in marriage. You don't give a fuck about it, but... I mean, maybe you could say, and I don't know if you would admit it, if she was pressuring you, but you essentially kind of did it because, not saying for the scene, but you knew that was an eventual step as far as your business. Well, I, def her. I, I definitely knew it was more important to her than it was to me as a person who just like never even thought about it or never like my whole life I pictured that once I met a girl that I wanted to be with forever or you know for a long period of time that we wouldn't get married we would just be very serious boyfriend and girlfriend but uh in that regard you got to remember too that in like 2016 when I started seeing her porn was like a very different landscape where I never saw myself having any kind of involvement in it and it seemed like there was just this massive like barrier to get over to be involved with porn in any kind of business way whereas like you get into like 2019 2020 where OnlyFans is like taking over the world and it's like all of a sudden it just started to seem a lot more reasonable that like regular people could kind of get into this shit like when I first started to have any kind of clout on Twitter like 2015 I probably had like 20,000 followers on Twitter or whatever I was exclusively sliding in porn star DMs just trying to hang out with them and try to go, you know, lick some porn star ass because this was just this aspirational thing to me. You know, as soon as you get some level of clout, and that's why when I see somebody like Zion Williamson, I totally get it because he's young as fuck. He starts getting money. He starts getting fame. All of a sudden, he can fuck a Mariah Mills. And yes, to like men of taste like us, we're kind of looking at Mariah Mills like, this is maybe not the best use of your time for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, but for me, when I was first getting in the game, oh, my God, I was so excited to be banging these fucking starlets that I was meeting on Twitter and shit. But, I mean, I never had any kind of intention of getting into the porn business because let me tell you something is that when I met her, I could have, like, I was trying to convince her to become a YouTuber, right? Because that was the game that I knew. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to get you lit on YouTube and you're going to be getting all these hundreds of thousands of views or whatever. And we thought up the whole scan, uh, scheme of like, oh, she's going to do a sex tape when she hits a million subscribers, which people don't really remember. But that was like the the big viral thing. And she, 16 with who though? With me. But that was tw in 2016. And she was like, she, she was in like the Phil DeFranco thumbnail and shit. We did that shit too. And huh? she blew crazy up. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she got to a million subscribers from it. But my thing was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take 20% of your YouTube. 
she never made like any significant amount on YouTube. I think largely because the subscribers that you get when you like make that kind of content or whatever are going to be like foreign and like low paying CPM customers and shit like that. But then also, uh, you know, she probably got like put in some kind of category of being like X rated or whatever. But if I had said, I, I need 20% of the only fans early on. Oh, that would have been the move. But I, I wasn't thinking about it like that. Cause I didn't know anything about only only fans didn't even exist when I got with her for the record. But then even after that, when it came around, it was like, that was not at the forefront of my mind. Now, Keep in mind, you fast forward a couple of years and I meet a Sky Bree and boom, we get her in the contract, which, by the way, just recently ended. So, uh, you know, I feel a little bit more like at ease discussing it. Well, but huh? be honest, how much do you offer? Keep it on it. Million? Hey, hey, more? Off just managing? Now, Sky Bree's one hot bitch. That's what I'm saying. And, bro, she came to the office to do a Patreon episode and. She was a, you made a, mil? a regular ass chick from Pennsylvania with 4,000 followers. And keep in mind, like my girl was pregnant at this time. So I had to go home and say to my girl, like, listen, I know you're the size of a fucking house right now and you don't feel sexy. And, you know, your vagina is doing weird things and your nipples are turning super dark and everything like you don't feel sexy right now. But I met a girl today and i swear to god that she's a star and we are going to be fucking kicking ourselves if we don't sign her and oh. I, and i i battled through it and i got the deal done even though it was at that time it was a serious threat to my relationship because my girl was like not trying to hear this at all but we made it happen yo adam i'm gonna be honest with you and and, and i had a perfect follow-up question but i do have to segue to this do you believe that any of these actions that you've done has caused any potential psychological damage on the people who are eventually, you know, as I said, I still believe everything you're doing, you're, what you're saying is business minded. Hey, I'm going to help you blow up on YouTube. Let's get to a million. We're going to do a sex tape. You're hoping these are business moves. This is not, hey, listen, I love my girl. My girl has always wanted to be a YouTuber. No, you're thinking of a scheme like let's get more money. Let's get more money. Okay. Especially when your 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 now wife is pregnant, big as a house, probably feeling secure about herself. You're saying you I just met this like young hot bitch from Pennsylvania, and I think we should like put our focus and our, our brands into her to blow her up. D do you ever stop to think to be like, hey, what's that doing to my relationship? Or even like, you know, now I see you stop posting your child online. Hey, maybe some of the comments, the weird comments and the weirdos trolling, you know, as your child eventually probably gets to know or maybe like it's an iPad or whatever, they're probably going to either be bullied or whatever. Do you care about like, the psychological effects of anything? I mean, like I had to manage that when I went to Lena and said, hey, I met this fucking girl who's super hot that we should sign or whatever. But, you know, just to use the kid thing as an example, because I did stop posting her where I was like when we were on the honeymoon, even like six months ago or whenever that was i was posting her non-stop then the fucking jason love arc <clears throat> jesus the arc takes over and then yo like i had the worst shit happen like if it like i probably would have been able to like keep posting her and not really think much of it if not for this one thing is that there was one dude who took a screenshot from a TikTok that Lena made last October that was like on uh, her mom page, right? And so we all got face paint done. I was Bert, my kid was the Count, and uh, Lena was Elmo. So all, yeah. all Sesame Street characters. 
And in the whole entire TikTok that's like a minute and a half long or whatever, there's like two seconds of her breastfeeding the kid, right? Well, some dude with half a million followers screenshotted the part with the breastfeeding and then he took it and he posted on Twitter and he said, this is from the Plug Talk TikTok. Adam22 and Lena posted their child on their porn account. This is what he said, even though, again, it was on her TikTok mom page. He said that it maybe got like 30,000 likes or whatever. So this was a relatively uh, successful tweet. And then I was talking about it like just to, you know, obviously you could say like, well, anyone smart or anyone who really cares about it is going to look into it and figure out that that wasn't actually the truth. I would say that Destiny is somebody that I have a good relationship with. And I was talking to him on a podcast like a week later. And I mentioned this exact thing and said how fucking annoying I thought it was. And Destiny goes, oh, that wasn't true. He's like, I saw that. I thought that that was true. And I'm like, what? Like, so at that moment was when I was like, oh, this 100%, we just can't post our kid anymore. Because even just giving anybody any tiny amount of ammunition like that, because like I want my kid to have a normal life. And I, I feel like I work hard because I want my kid to have a normal life where she doesn't have to like, like all these families, like Ace family and shit who just basically use their kids for content. Like some people find it distasteful that we're out here having sex for content or whatever. But for me, I find the whole family vlogger thing to be like significantly uh, more troublesome to me because I've seen the incentives and where that leads people and how people end up fucking like having their kids fight and making up weird drama between their kids and using the thumbnails that make it seem like their kid is in danger and shit like that. Like that's something that I don't want to fucking deal with at all. And I have a lot of respect for somebody like uh, Casey Neistat who he used to make vlogs with his daughters in them and I would watch them and thought that they were great. But then like at one point, I guess something, I don't know if anything really happened, but he just stopped posting his kid. And like once in a while, I'll have a clip in the vlog where you can see like the back of their head or some shit, but he doesn't actually post them. And this is a guy whose content is squeaky clean, but he does have a lot of eyeballs on him and potentially, you know, psychos and stalkers and shit like that could potentially be trying to do something to him. So to me, it's like, as long as we're going to be doing risque shit in the public eye and in particular the fact i have nothing to gain from posting my kid online in fact like her being at preschool and shit like i want her to be anonymous like she got like some no jumper baby shirts the other day that my uh, sister made her and i was Mm -hmm. just immediately like yo make sure she never wears these to school because it's like i'm not really trying to have my kid have her life colored any more than it has to be by my life experience now obviously at some point somebody's going to be like hey your parents have sex on the internet um in a perfect world by the time she's old enough to really be dealing with that we won't even be doing that anymore i feel like i've talked to a lot of kids or not not kids but like i've talked to a lot of people in the porn industry whose parents were in the porn industry as well because in in la and hollywood that shit seems like it kind of gets passed down in some family lineages and not even like people who actually like do real deal porn but like I know a girl who does like a porn podcast and her mom was a porn photographer. So like neither of them ever did porn, but they're both kind of like just been in the adult business. Like they're fucking plumbers or some shit. But either way, like I'm not trying to have my kid be like exposed to that shit at all. And already I'm like super conscious of all the different ways. Like, like if we have a house party and Sky Bree and Angela White are standing there talking and my kid goes over and stands next to him, it's like, 
if if somebody takes a photo of my kids standing next to two porn stars, what's the immediate viral quote tweet that everybody is going to fucking jump on is just going to be, oh, look at them grooming her for this fucking for her future career or some shit like that. So from from my perspective, it's like, all right, I'm just going to make I'm going to make all this way easier and just be like, all right, your whole life is a secret until you get to the point where you can kind of like make some level of decision about if you want to be in the public eye or not, you know? Isn't it too late, though? And I guess, you know, ultimately, I want to ask you the question of I've always been confused about this with you in trying to figure out if there are tangible goals or are are you going down the path you're going down because you just genuinely love it or you have a goal? Like, for example, some people or this is usually the stripper's fallacy, as I call it. A girl who says she doesn't enjoy, you know, you know, objectifying herself and showing her body. She's like, hey, I'm only in the strip club to make $100,000. I'm going to use that money to blah, blah, blah. Then I'm getting out of there. Right. And usually people are goal oriented unless like they're just like, hey, this is just what I love to do with you. Like, you know, even as I like I hear I heard you talk about like briefly and kind of vaguely. Not to say why, because you don't want niggas pocket watch you anymore. You were talking about the amount of money you made on um like or money money Lena made with that particular scene it, it i've been waiting for you to be like listen you know what we've made enough and, and with you is is there's like zero there's zero idea of a goal it feels like the you know i'm gonna call it degeneracy obviously you wouldn't it feels like you just this is what you love to do it's not that you're doing like hey let me we're just trying to hit this lick and move on it's like hey this is our lifestyle this is what we were kind of like either hinting at or kind of headed towards. And me and Lena, we just love it here. Okay. So two different, like imagine two different days for me. Sometimes I'll have a day where I got to film two interviews back to back. And, you know, quite often these are interviews I'm like extremely excited to do where it's people that I respect and I'm just dying to have a fucking conversation with. And there's all these questions. I'm, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way when you do a piece of content with somebody, when you go in to interview Vlad, which I, I didn't actually get a chance to watch that one yet, but I watched like the first half of the Vic Mensa one today which I guess actually if I were you, I probably wouldn't have been that excited for that one. But either way, like you're going in to have a conversation with somebody, you're super excited. Like in that moment, if I would do that shit for free and yes, I'm going to make, you know, however much money off it, but I would totally, totally do that shit for free. Now at the same time, when I go in to do porn, it's a different type of excitement where it's like the same way that you probably feel when you're like driving us, not that you would do such a thing, but if you were driving to some chick's house at midnight to go have a wild ass threesome or whatever, it's like, you're all geeked up. You're just like excited. Like, Oh my God, this is going to be fucking tight. My boners going in and out. And yeah. And you know, that's like exciting, but in a very different way. But would, would I hang it up intentionally? Hell no. Cause it's like, I love doing the porn shit. Like as much as it's like, yeah, it would be more fun to do it off camera but also that would be a very weird use of a monday for me to like fuck two random girls in the middle of the day like doing it for money is just like i don't know it's like it's just it's the most natural thing in the world at this point like why the fuck would i want to like go hit the club and like you know party and shit to to fuck some girls which you know every guy that i know has a bunch of money this is what they end up doing is they end up going to the club and they end up fucking hella, you know, random girls and they got they spend money on them, they buy them shit, all this kind of stuff. For me it's it's weird because I've cut myself off from that mentality of chasing pussy. I'm still fucking a bunch of random girls, but it's within this like very 
strict confines that also is very profitable but honestly like i'm not worried about like the post plug talk part of my life like if i if i hit 44 and it's just like oh all right we're not gonna do porn anymore i mean that 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 sounds fine like i I don't think i'd be stressing like fucking a bunch of different chicks and shit i guess i ask you because like for example um you know i don't have kids but like as time goes on like even when i just got like some type of fame and i was like i realized the power in fame and like you could dm a girl and she fucking sees that you're popular and like she just acts abnormally she's like yo i don't give a fuck if i'm like in antarctic i'm i'm about to come fuck you right you could dm a trans girl well that didn't happen (laughs) but um so that whole phase right happens for a while right but eventually like how old are you now 39 dude i'm thir- i'm 40 in like a couple months so so you're 40 now with a kid and a wife and you're still like your monday the highlight of your monday is like having these threesomes i mean is it a highlight i mean the whole the whole entirety of my existence feels like a fucking highlight because all right you know i was just thinking about you know how it's like when you're in the middle of a moment or a a, a, a movement it's very very hard for you to see where you're actually at like when i was in the middle of the soundcloud rap wave it's like i i didn't really like perceive it as being that and it didn't really have a name until it was kind of like over or almost over you know and mm-hmm. like even when i look back like you know the 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 i didn't realize how much of a moment the adt rel lush whatever the fuck era of no jumper was until it was kind of over and then it was like oh okay that was like a, a real period in my life like that's a fucking chapter right there but, but you know, I think I like I'm kind of lucky enough at this point because I'm old enough and I've like been through enough moments and been in enough moments that I can look at my life now and just be like, you know, I could really like hang it up right now and be totally fine. I was in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago and I also was having a lot of those moments of like, damn, maybe you'd be happier if you just like chilled on the beach and like you know, went to this fucking food truck and got a burger and just like kicked it on some like super chill shit. But then at the same time, it's like, I still feel like I'm in the middle of a moment. I still feel like chasing these interviews and doing this content and doing this porn shit and inventing the porn live stream space that we've now pioneered on onlyplugtalk.com, et cetera. You know, it's like, I'm still in the middle of this shit and it's still fun. And if it gets to the point where it's not fun, I could totally imagine myself taking a step back but I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a great time in the middle of all of it. So I don't really see a reason why I'd want to fall back, even though it does kind of feel like an option. And if anything, I'm working my ass off like harder than I kind of ever worked in terms of the sheer amount of like shit that I just have booked on an average week. So are you trying to convince me that you enjoyed the moment of Jason Love penetrating your wife? Because I really look at it and say, Adam, you're too rich for this, man. And I know I, you're, you're probably one of the Honestly, the humblest, like, you know, I feel like I have a great, like, gauge of where everybody is, like, financially, and you you never lead with money, and, and I always know that, but you you got it, and, I, and, I, and I've been telling everybody, I'm like, I don't care what dollar amount they say he was about to earn, it was, like, I know he's making that, maybe in a longer period of time, he's making that from what he's doing, that he doesn't have to do that, so how do you process that? <clears throat> For me, I feel like, and this is my own theory, Lena was giving you some pressure because, like, yo, hey, listen, I, again, most of these female, like, porn stars or OnlyFans women, they kind of identify like they're feminists. So, like, she's probably hitting you with, like, all her fans are probably saying, hey, what about fairness? You let him fuck other bitches? 
you gotta let you fuck other women. And I think it probably got to you. And eventually, like, I don't know if y'all made a deal. I think y'all are really in more of a business than a marriage. Y'all probably made some type of deal. And you had to, like, you signed off on her taking a dick. Um, no. So, okay. The, the basic Wait, gist of that. Oh, shit. He's still talking about Wait, the poker face you ex you exhibited during the whole thing was fucking phenomenal. You even brought out a new character. I think you kind of went into a different arc. But is zero way that when you went to sleep, you know, like, again, I, I know it was very cheesy when I asked about love earlier. But, like, it it love is associated with, like, that fucking feeling in your stomach that you can't even understand why it's happening. But that's just really what it is. When that nigga fucked your wife, bro, there's no way you tell me you slept like a baby that night. Ain't no way. Anyway, I will never believe it. I will say I always sleep very, very well, no matter what I'm going through. My sleep is one thing I always prioritize. But that being said, I think, you know, you said I kept a good poker face. And I felt like I kept a good poker face for a lot of it. But this is the thing is like, all right, she did that on a Sunday. And I knew it was going to happen for like a couple weeks or like a month because we've been talking about it. And I made the decision to do it from a business standpoint, which was basically like, I believe that if you're going to go truly viral, there always has to be like a sacrifice of some sort. Like, for instance, I went extremely viral for having a guy run up in my fucking spot and put point a gun in my face. You know, that was like the most viral thing that had happened to me up to that point. And at least part of it was the fact that I fucking w had my safety put in question. You know, it wasn't like an intentional sacrifice on my part. And yes, it did make me look like vulnerable and like I was in a position where I could get fucked up. But it's kind of like part of going viral that somebody has to take an L. And I basically kind of like decided that in order to pull that storyline off, I had to be willing to take an L, at least in the public eye, to a certain extent. And I, I basically was just like, you know what? You can handle this. Be a tough guy. It's going to be worth it. That was my mentality going into it. Then she goes and does it. And I was a little bit surprised by the fact that it's interesting that you use the uh, the stomach metaphor there, or actually it's not a metaphor. We're like actually talking about how you feel in the pit of your stomach. But just knowing that it happened, it left me with like a queasiness that I was not expecting. So that was kind of surprising to me. But I had to go in and do a podcast the next day. That was Sunday that she did it. I go in and do the podcast Monday. Now, me and her talked for maybe an hour and a half before we went to bed after she did that scene, right? But so I go in and I'm talking to Destiny and Crip Mac on camera. And you can imagine, like, obviously the fact that I'm talking about it with Crip Mac is like the weirdest thing ever. Like Destiny is a pretty good shoulder to not cry, but to, you know, lean on in that moment. But Crip Mac is about the weirdest possible person you could confide in. But I decided to treat it kind of like I treat uh, almost all of my content, which is that I try to like when we're doing podcasts like this, I'm trying to just be honest. I'm trying not to like have anything that I'm hiding or, you know, I try to just be like really upfront as much as possible. And I find that it's hard for me to be on camera when I'm not being honest. Like it's kind of hard for me to like even get in the mood to get on camera when I know that there's big shit that I'm going to have to be covering up. So as soon as I got on camera, I basically just started talking about it. And I told Crip Mac and Destiny and I was a little bit too honest. I didn't have enough of a poker face where like I wish that I had been able to like 100% completely play the character of the guy who was 100% on board because I I feel mostly on board. Like this is not something that I'm stressed about. And I had that realization when I was in one of these fucking orgies the other day uh, where, you know, I'm fucking my girl and there's another guy fucking another girl right next to her. And I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, 
Like, how would you feel if she sucked his dick right now while you're fucking her? And because in the context of these... Who would you feel? Real talk. How would I feel? I mean, it's always a little bit of a roll of the dice because you're kind of playing with your feelings there. You're playing with... Uh, you, you know, you're not 100% sure about how you're going to feel. She didn't do it in that uh, case. She only did that Jason scene. But I don't think it would it would bother me because I'm fucking other girls in the context of this orgy while they're fucking other guys. Like, I'm, I'm fucking this girl. I'm slamming her head down on this gigantic fucking black dick. I mean, I'm not... My problem with you is this. My problem with you is this. What? And I, I think, you know, I've loved the fact that despite many attempts to, you know, I think No Jumper became what it is and you became who you are because there was a very severe attempt to cancel you. They were trying to ostracize you as one of those people like, hey, this is persona non grata right here. So we, I get it. But so, so so to me, you're the you're the epitome of of woke or even cancel culture. Right. Like like. So when I hear you kind of like agree with these, like, well, I got to be okay if she wanted to suck a dick during the orgy. Like, no, no you know, it's, not, it's not like, oh, I have to be okay no. with it because she deserves this or something. It's just like, I feel like I'm in the place with my relationship and our content that we could do that. And that's not going to change how I feel about her. I can say that the Jason love thing, like, I it's weird because I like post a photo with her and get a million fucking comments that are still talking about the Jason Love thing. And it's like, oh shit, like I haven't thought about that in weeks. Like that that totally like vanished from my brain like a couple of days after it happened because that's just not really like a big deal from our perspective. The same way that she saw me getting smothered half to death by Juliana Cabrezia's gigantic fucking butt the other day. And she didn't have anything to say about that. It doesn't mean anything to her the same way. I'm not gonna say it doesn't mean anything to me, but I think that I've like wrapped my head around the reality of her doing shit with other guys on camera enough that it's just not really it's not really challenging to me anymore. Because if 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 you really believe that, it wouldn't like the performer wouldn't matter if you really didn't care. And I know there's certain people you know just intuitively because that's the mother of your child, you would never want her to no, have but sex I, with I learned that in the course of the Jason Love storyline that who it is matters like massively because of the fact that I am a public figure. And like I don't really think he did anything like super malicious or like he was really like trying to be super disrespectful or whatever, but he definitely like said some shit that I wasn't comfortable with and just kind of treated it in a way that I wasn't super hyped on. Wait, why are you mad at him? Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like with all due respect, a nigga, nothing in your wife. You can never talk shit to him. Like there's nothing. Anytime. Like if I'm him, I'd be just dropping screenshots. Like, like Dylan Dennis all day on you. Like right. you couldn't say and, nothing. And that it's understandable that that's like, well, he didn't do that, but he just kind of like talked about it in ways like to me, there's a code in porn where we're all, fucking each other on camera and so therefore there are things that we just don't talk about like for instance I've seen, bro i've seen a lot of male porn stars be unable to get a boner and this is like mega embarrassing for them in that moment and i've never came on camera and been like holy shit this guy couldn't get a boner because it's just like that's the, the codes of this shit the same way that sometimes i'll fuck a girl on camera and i know her husband and her husband's like a dude where I could theoretically go on the podcast the next day and be like, yo, you're not going to believe it. I fucked this girl yesterday and she's married to so-and-so because there are some of these porn star girls are like secretly married to dudes who I'm not going to say they're like A-listers, but some of them are like relatively public people and shit. And I would just never do that. So that's why, I mean, 
it, this is all going to seem kind of small in comparison to what we have coming because we have like a whole series that me and Lena are going to be dropping that's basically <laughs> like uh, us searching for the next guy. There's a little, there's a little bit of a sneak preview yeah, right there for you. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a whole we got a whole series that we're working on that is going to be fucking ridiculous. That is crazy. But, but 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 here's the thing though, and. I completely get what you're saying, and I think what you're saying is completely valid, right? You guys are in the porn world. You know, um, you guys can always be critical of each other or kind of take a little braggadocio like, yo, hey, I fucked your bitch. And that's just usually kind of frowned upon. I think why Jason Love even said anything is because, and I, I don't know if this is the common consensus among people that do um, adult entertainment. He was saying, and he was putting himself in your shoe, basically kind of like, if I had the empire that you got going on, if I had the money that you had going on without prior, uh, um, without prior like adult entertainment experience, I'm not letting my wife like if, if if monetarily we don't need it, I'm not letting my wife get fucked. No. And I think that's what I, I totally think, get that. But the problem with Jason Love is that to his credit, large man, great build, large penis, not a visionary. I'm a visionary. I saw a plot line unfolding right in front of me at that moment, like something right there that we could just seize and take it and make something out of it. And honestly, like once we really got into the swing of things, I kind of felt like Blueface and Krishan in a way, in the sense that like the same way that they have been able to have this incredibly messy, abusive relationship and it's created this storyline that people can't look away from, I feel like okay. for that time period, me and Lena were basically doing the same thing. But instead of it being me knocking her dad out on camera, it was, oh, she's going to do a scene with another guy. And then we're going to talk about it on Twitter and make TikToks about it that go viral. And, you know, that that kind of made me realize that, like, that is our thing that we can harness is like being a freakier couple out in public than the average public couple. All we have to do is harness harness that viral energy surrounding that thing and yeah. boom it's a ticket to the fucking moon okay I, I, and one more question and we, we can move on to some hip-hop and media shit too sure. but i do want to ask because i thought about this when i heard you actually admit it um because i was really trying to wrap my mind around it right but you had mentioned that pretty much when you had first met lena like you and like it was it, you and somebody else ran a train on her, so it was like you were kind of open. It to wasn't a train; we just fucked her at the same time. Yeah, it's a train. No, it's a train if you take turns. It's a gangbang. It's a gangbang, you're right. And I was, okay. two is a threesome. Three guys, I think, is more like a train or a gangbang. With two niggas, hell right. no. Just, just to be uh -uh. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, okay. So, so, so you were kind. If, if if you never prior to all of this now you have kids marriage if you never shared her with another man or even like say the house phone situation if if it was a situation where you never knew anybody else that's ever been with her sexually right um and you kind of felt like she was sexually sexually exclusive to you do you think you would have been open to this it might have been harder for me to like open my mind to it for sure but the reality is is that very early on in our relationship, like you said, me, her, and another dude who was a, a close friend of mine, we all ended up banging at the same time, and I thought it was hot. It was like a, 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 a good memory from my perspective, and what I had to do, because listen, like we were running trains on girls and shit when I was young, when I was like high school, basically, when I was like 18 or 19, I remember like fucking a girl with two of the homies in the woods, and like, you know, this was just normal shit at that time, and... 
I think that that's like the weird thing about it is that I'm incentivized as a person who makes porn to be more open-minded than I might be otherwise. And that's why everybody, everybody kind of sees that logic playing out in my brain. And that's why people are always like, well, are you going to fuck a dude? Because they fucking do the math in their head. And they're like, well, what's the next most extreme thing? Oh, it would be him actually fucking the dude. I'm not going to fuck a dude just for the record. So everybody knows, but that's what people are always getting at. So it's like, for me, you know, doing the, the bi-weekly live streamed orgies and shit. It's like, well, this is not shit that I like saw myself doing with my life, but I'm incentivized to do it and I'm having a good time. So why not? So, so, so the teaser you kind of like let, let the cat out of the bag with is like, you guys are going to be looking for other dudes to just fuck her solo or y'all about to run a train on her type shit. Nah, this is going to be like for the first Adam and Lena track. and another guy threesome. Why we call it this a train? It's not a train. It's like a, a turn taking type thing. I'm picturing like all of the sexual positions that we have in mind and stuff. Once we do shoot this thing are not like train oriented. Uh, what I, what I am like, like, okay. A good example is the double penetration thing. Dick in the ass, dick in the vagina. Did I ever see myself doing that? Would I ever do it? I don't know me as a non on camera person for sure. I would not be thinking about it as a person who does porn. Would I push myself to this limit that I would potentially do it? I don't know. Tune in next time to find out. Adam, I ain't gonna lie. I do think, like, and I, I ain't even trying to be slick on that. I do think, I don't balls think you probably on balls, balls touching balls, Ack. You know, I definitely see you do like what I call that gay stuff. Like, I don't see you sucking a dick, but I, I can't really tell because somebody <laughs> said there's a video of you in an orgy. You're fucking a girl. He another nigga fucking a girl, and you're holding hands with the dude, and like it's like you're like y- y'all doing like a fusion dance, like you you you, you holding his hand. It like, like, yeah, yeah, Adam. It was a high five. It's an <laughs> Eiffel Tower. You never heard of the Eiffel Tower? It's a famous sex position. And the guy is from France, which is, and keep in mind, he suggested this to me on a live stream. So it's not like I could do like in that moment, if I had ducked the Eiffel Tower on live stream, that shit would have been so foul. I had to go for it. What um and again you know I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to understand also the the nature of your marriage as well. What about Lena is exclusive or has some sanctity with you? Like you know I used to know whores used to be like they used to be like oh yeah oh I know this one whore she would be like yo she let anybody fuck the pussy but she's like anal is only for her husband like 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 you know women usually feel like they have to make something special for their guy or their husband. But it looked like if you're down to have a train ran, a little threesome, whatever else you're down to do, it feels like, you know, um, like when it comes to sexual, you don't feel like anything special with her then, right? Well, I mean. Um, you do because you had a kid with her. I don't, Something had to be special. Like, you can't just think of it as a fucking hole. Well, you're going in and out. Emotionally, of we're exclusive. And, I mean, of course, there's all kinds of physical stuff that she wouldn't do with another guy that we do together. But. Like I don't feel well. I mean, she's never done anal with another guy. She's never like. I mean, everything she did with another guy, you could see in the concept that Jason loved thing. huh? She had to do nothing. Her that's ten times worse. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, yo! What was that conversation like? You finally see the clip. I gotta have an off-camera conversation with you about that. I gotta have an off-camera conversation with you about this uh, that that scene. All right, so that's some really okay, okay. So you care a little bit, yo, Adam. A lot of times when I talk to you, I'm always trying to use the litmus test of 
Where does this guy care? You, you know, I always bring up this this conversation. When I went to the last time I went to No German, which I felt like it was a long time ago, yo, I went in there and I remember just seeing a bunch of crips and I'm like, listen, hey, I came in for content. I'm on fire. So I went crazy and I remember you had texted me like either day after and and we had a conversation. And I like the fact that you text me. And I think I told you. But this is how I internalized. I'm like, I like the fact that Adam was like, hey, listen, I do have a limit. I have a boundary. Because sometimes you come across like nothing fucking matters, brother. And and I think that's where like people are usually thinking, you might be a psychopath. You're definitely a sex addict. But also, like, you know. What you the get fuck a, do I do that makes you think I'm a sex addict? Like, my entire sex life that is outside of me just sleeping with my girl at home is documented on camera and it's totally fucking normal and I don't have any off-camera crazy sexual experiences. You have an insatiable appetite for sex that includes going above and beyond trying to find some next level of kinkiness to try to to try to it's like a high it's like a crack rock. No, but that's All like right. that's business stuff. That doesn't have anything to do with like us just like yearning no. to like do this kind of stuff. It's no. it's constant. You literally said you were like you got off at the fact. Or you were turned on by the fact another man fucked your wife. That's kinkiness, brother. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. The- that, that was an unintended consequence that I ended up kind of like feeling the content more than I thought it would. But, but I, kinda, I knew that was going to happen. Like, I, I fucking, I wasn't surprised by that at all. All right. Hey, so, let, so, so let, let me ask you this. Yeah. Shay Glizzy. She's mm. a real live wire, isn't she? Yeah. But did she fuck Blueface? You're categorically denying this because I just want to make it clear. When Wack brought that to the table on the podcast, I called him before you. You know, I did not believe him. him I didn't believe him because it just didn't seem like Wack has done this before because he did this about Lush and AD. He said that Lush fucked AD's girl or some shit, which was like immediately every everybody knew it wasn't true. But Wack just goes on Clubhouse or some shit and says it. So I wasn't that surprised. There is a precedent for this. So first of all. I felt number. I'll tell you two things. I said Adam is a slick motherfucker. He recorded this on Thursday. He knew. He knew. Uh, um, Wax said this. So you dropped the clip today. By the way, I, was, I knew to get on live stream before because I wanted to surveil the landscape. I blacked on Wax. I blacked on Wax. You, Blueface, anybody in the mix. I heard you talking Wack, about Blueface. I didn't hear anything about me. Yeah, Wax calls up in the mix, and Wax says, "Act you bit the bait." I, I made a bet with Adam that I could get you to promote the shit basically by talking shit. He's probably just full of shit, right? He is 100% but, full of shit. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but but he basically was just like, yo, yeah, like, you know, and, and I know Wack, but I was just like, yo, Wack, I know you're the guy who say certain shit for content, but if it usually involves me, you would hit me. You get what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, no, no, that didn't happen. And by the way, for the record, for the record, um, a woman I'm dealing with fucks any rapper, you know what I mean? Especially after, like, honestly, I'm not even attracted to women who fuck rappers in the past. But if you okay, know? but if you found out that a girl you were dating had been with yeah. another guy who was in the public eye, maybe not even a rapper. What if it was fucking Leonardo DiCaprio? How would you feel well, about that? It's over. Like, like I'm gonna yeah, be if it was just in the past, who gives a shit? Uh, no, not in the past because no, because I should have known going in. Oh, yeah. I mean, but do you ask her that at a certain point? You're like, listen, if you fucked anybody famous, because I, I did that to Lena in 2016. I was like, listen, I need to know anybody you've fucked that in any way overlaps with my social circle because not that it really matters, but because I need to know. I don't want to be blindsided by something. 
Yeah, no, no, no. Well, for me, I'm a little bit more um, kind of, and, and it's probably like also pillar. a race thing. It's probably a race thing and a cultural thing. Like honestly, I've I've tolerated way more from a woman. Like I've tolerated bullshit. I've tolerated a chick saying random bullshit lies about me. But one thing I will never tolerate: once another dick enters you, they ain't got nothing for us to talk about. It's over. It is over. I can't even. I can't even look at you the same. We could fuck, but I can't claim you as mine. Like there's a sanctity of what I believe a, a girlfriend or a significant other holds, and that completely breaks it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean to me, it's honestly more about the trust that would be broken if I like hypothetically, let's say I find out that a couple years into our relationship, Lena just met some dude at a party or whatever and just ended up fucking him and just never told me it's not really about the sex part so much. It's about the trust. It's about the fact that you did this. You sat on it for all those years and didn't like feel like you had to tell me at some point. It's all about the sex for me. Well, the the sex matters, but it's more about the trust. All right, let's go back. When I was with Angelica, Angelica probably broke shit. Like she caused probably like tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage. You know, Angelica was wilding out. To me, that's almost enough for me to walk away too. Like, I don't know if I could really tolerate it after that. Oops. The moment that I felt that she was even whatever, it was just already over. The moment I felt like she was even entertaining somebody, I was already moving on at that point. You get what I mean? Mm. But some people, like, it might be different. Like, some people might be like, yo, you break my shit, it's over. For me, like, obviously, that's some shit it should be over for, but I could, I'm just trying to tell you the levels of if a dick go inside you, in terms of, like, a woman that I'm dealing with, it is over. I don't care what it is. Like, it ain't about no trust. I don't care if you told me. I don't care if you didn't tell me. If I find out, it is over. I'm emotionally numb after that point. But to me, if they cheated and told you immediately, that would be like way more forgivable than cheating and keeping it a secret for a long period of time. Now, I kind of agree that as soon as they like break the level of trust, to me, it's not about the dick because the Jason Love thing doesn't bother me at all. But if she were to just fuck a random dude and then confess it to me at some point in the future, that's super consequential because now I don't feel like I can trust you. And like my girl, like a, a couple weekends ago, she like, you know, went out to some bars and clubs with her friends or whatever. And one of the clubs or bars that they went to ended up being like a, a younger crowd, like people in college type age. And she said that she had like a fucking line of, of dudes just trying to talk to her. And like some of it was on some fan shit. Some of it was on some like, oh, like actually trying to holler at her. And that was like, you know, I, I didn't feel any level of guilt or, or not guilt, but like any level of jealousy at all when she was telling me about that afterwards, because I've been with her for fucking seven years and I know that I can trust her. But as soon as you fuck that trust up one time, then every single time you go out and you do anything, go in a club, bar, whatever with, with your girlfriends, I'm going to be sitting there like stewing, like having such a hard time dealing with it. So to me, like that, that is probably what put me in the headspace that even allowed me to take on the gigantic dick of Jason Love entering my wife is because of the fact that I had such a crazy degree of trust with her that I didn't feel threatened by that. And I feel like that's pretty rare that the average, like I know a ton of people in relationships where the girl can't go to the fucking 7-Eleven with a tube top on and the guy, if he glances at another girl, it's a huge you know, argument and shit like that. Like, like, I am so far away from that that that's probably what put me in the headspace that made it seem okay to, 
enter into yeah. that. Yeah, but it's, it's different, though, Adam. I'm going to tell you why, right? For example, right? Um, I like women, and I like women that will allow me to have as many threesomes. I kind of was like a bisexual woman, to be honest. Uh-huh. Now, initially, at first, it, it, I would be with, like I was with a girl, and, I, and she was like, you know, we should try try one time. And that one time is like, yeah, we should try this about every month. And that, that, that every month shit to be like, oh, we can find a bitch every week. To the point that was like, yo, I think we could just do this all the time. Your wife is now, you know what I mean? She's eating the forbidden fruit. She's taking the 15-inch python. And now she might just be like, hey, listen, come on, yo, Adam. Like, yo, like, hey, she might disguise the content. But you have zero worry that, you know, again, because you enjoy, like, again, you say you enjoy these scenes. It's not like you're just like, okay, I have to fuck some bitches. You're like, oh shit, I'm about to fuck a new bitch. It's, it's happening. No, like you're happy. What we do sexually on camera is still ultimately like a decision that takes place between us because you'll notice that she hasn't shot anything with any other dude since she did the Jason Love thing, right? Now, if you think about it from her mentality, fucking another dude, not a bad thing, and gets to make a shitload of money off it, she probably would have preferred to go and do that, right? From my perspective, it's like, listen, even though I let you do the Jason Love thing, this is not going to be like a consistent all the time thing. I'm down to create moments, you know, Mm -hmm. culturally, virally, et cetera, around us doing this. But from my perspective, like if you just go and shoot another scene with another guy right away, that takes away the thing that made it special or made it interesting to people. And now this is just part of your regular fucking job. And I'm not really trying to like live that life of just like having you just be a regular fucking porn star. You know, that's not really what I'm interested in. And that is something that we had a conversation about. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's my call the same way that her doing the first scene in the first place was her call too, or it was my call as well. It was like, I had to be making that decision in order for that to happen. It wouldn't have happened if I didn't agree to it. You said that, but a lot of these woke motherfuckers, I seen them on Twitter, they were like, what you mean you're allowing her? So so you do know, you, like, this is a slippery slope where people are going to be like, hey, listen, like, you've opened up Pandora's box. It's really not up to what you will allow. It's that she has her own autonomy, just like you kind of have your own autonomy, and she should be able to fuck whoever she want to fuck. What's the problem? No, that, that would be nice. But in the reality, yeah. we live in the real world where, you know, it's, it's a conversation yeah. that we're having consistently. And, like, even with this new... Uh, content series that we're doing right now it's like it's gonna be interesting and it's gonna be exciting because people haven't seen her do anything with another guy since the jason love thing so that's where i'm going with that now to play the uno reverse card on you i just want to say that i mean i'm sure she's a lovely girl and everything but I, i feel like i agree with what i heard ad saying to you on uh the clip that i saw from community the other day which is like it feels like you're enduring a level of disrespect and abuse from this girl that I've never seen you take from a girl before. And it, it stands out to me as like it putting you in a dangerous position that I haven't really seen you allow yourself to be put into. And I don't know how much truth there is to it or whatever, but the shit that she said about, oh, I got handcuffed or like the door kicked in, whatever, all this kind of shit, that stood out to me as like, bro, this is dangerous. This is like actually, and I guess you have some kind of like connection with her because of the fucking, um, the fact that you guys, uh, you almost had the home invasion with her and everything like that. But like, I feel like she's kind of like crossed some lines that as a public figure, you're just, you're not supposed to let your girl cross. Like me and Lena, as much as we've fought privately or whatever, that stuff has never made it 
to the front page. Like we just never kind of make that content or like tiny little bits of it have maybe snuck through. But I'm interested to, to know how you feel about that, because to me, this is not the academics that I'm used to. Usually I've seen you move in a very, very calculated way. And now it kind of feels like you're throwing caution to the wind. And I've seen some people propose this and it kind of makes sense to me, which is the idea of like, what does she have on him? Because maybe that's why you're dealing with some of the disrespect and her talking through the Dave Chappelle comedy special that I just, I don't expect you to be doing normally. Well, well, I mean, and, 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 oh, well, I'll start with the Dave Chappelle thing, then I'll go to the other comments you said. With the Dave Chappelle thing, I'm going to be honest with you, like, clearly, I wanted to just grab the phone. But, but I'm going to be honest, we're in public. I'm a black man. I'm not grabbing nothing from no woman. I don't want nobody to say I did nothing. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, we live in this real pussy world right now where it's like, yo, women do whatever they want. If there's consequences, they face it. You know what people told me? That, that thing that happened in Miami. I remember even talking to Vlad, suits of that. And I was talking about um, what happened at Komodo. And a lot of people told me, they said, hey, listen, unfortunately, the only right thing you should have done, because people thought I was fighting at first. I was like, no, I was breaking up a fight that involves someone I was with. They said, listen, you're the famous one. Unfortunately, in that situation, you have to back the fuck up and let it be what it is. And I felt conflicted because I said, damn, you don't you don't want to be the bitch who just let your chick just whatever, whatever. But now you're in the mid middle of it. It's now on TMZ. So that's another reason why, like, even when, when it came to Dave Chappelle, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to do a motherfucking thing that says, oh, Axe snatches the phone. He shouts. I'm not doing nothing. So I'm just chilling out. Regardless, though, uh, back to the, the other comments, like. Yeah, me and AD, we had a really good conversation about it. Salute to AD, but I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit. But, no, no, he was, um, uh, he, he was right in a lot of things, you know? I, I, I told him the same thing that I'm going to tell you. There is parts of it, and I'm a human. Like, you know, I'm, I've never been someone who, like, again, as maybe as stoic or whatever y'all see me in terms of, like, me doing content, I've always had interpersonal relationships, and especially with women. And in those relationships... You know, it is a give and take a little bit, right? So, number one, and, and I told him this. I said, first of all, th- I, I felt I feel that there's a little bit of trauma, trauma bonded, honestly. In a very in a situation where my life life was actually threatened, this person actually was very instrumental in making sure I was okay. That probably also gives me the okay. Yeah, she fucked up, but forgive. But also, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm somebody who's just not perfect. Like I've been mad or faithful. You get what I mean? And when most things kind of happen, even if it makes it to the public or not, it's because I'm the person like, you know, obviously I'm not waiting both to be the same, but I've cheated or I've done whatever I've been with like five, you know what I mean? Whatever the case is. So when cooler heads do prevail or whatever, it makes it more able where I'm like, you know what? All right, fuck it. I, I did bad. You did bad let's get back or let's let's try or let's not go to the extreme like that is it it's clearly not healthy though i'll be honest with you and at times you know i guess the last thing i'll say about it like most of the time and i don't you know obviously i'm younger than you but i don't know if you've ever been there because you're like emotionless so it's like difficult to probably like reason with you when it comes to this especially when you're with someone like when i met her she was 22 she's 24 now um you're also hoping for that change and yeah. every time there's a conversation, it's like, hey, listen, you know, I like I, I you know, I'm telling like, yo, listen, we're in Miami. All these motherfuckers, if I even slip, they got a camera out like she don't even know what that is. 
until it happens. And she's like, what? We're on TMZ? So I'm, I'm dealing with someone who's kind of learning. And every time I'm, I'm, I'm expected or assuming that they're going to learn or they're going to not repeat the same mistakes. And sometimes, I ain't going to lie, it, it, that's where it gets kind of, yo, you're making the same mistakes consistently? That becomes a problem. And this that's, why, that's why it leads us having these conversations. This is my thing, is that I think you have basically what I'm going to describe for lack of a better term, but as like a ratchet fetish. And I've, I discovered this because I remember years ago, you say it's all black, nigga. Did I say it? I mean, okay. There was a time, a long time ago we were on, on stream and I never see people talk about that old stream. I bet there's some gems in there, but, uh, yeah. that, that stream, you said that you would search up Chirac thoughties or, yeah. I don't know, like like ghetto hoe or some shit on fucking Pornhub to find something to jerk off to, which I've never heard of anything like that before, which that really made me like, oh, fuck, like academics, like the way that he feels about like a little Reese and a little Jay and et cetera, pause. And like, you know, the fact that you were making all this content about these guys at a time where most of us were not really paying that much attention to the savagery of the Chirac scene or whatever that carries through to your sex life to a certain extent. Because if we want to talk about who has, like, who is the Lil Reese, the Grim Reaper of being a whore, shout out to Selena Powell. I know you didn't, like, date her per se or whatever, but there was, like, some kind of connection that you guys seem to have that kind of went beyond the Waka Flockas and the other dudes who, like, kind of put dick up in her real quick and then were out of there. Do do you admit and, and agree to the fact that there is some degree with which you need the danger and the excitement that only a hood rat can bring to the table. And I don't even know if she's a hood rat per se, but she's clearly kind of a live wire. I'm surprised uh, you never dated Asian you, doll. Uh, hell no. Nah. nah, you would, you would fuck with her. I think that would be a match made in heaven. And by the way, you see, you see when it comes to these topics, I, I definitely try I have reasonable conversation. I think I'm also very self-aware. Uh, I would say no in, in, in how you're surmising it, but there is something to that, right? What I would probably say is that, like, I felt like if I thought about my dating history, right, I had very regular non-turbulent relationships okay. until I met Angelica. And I, I don't know what it is. And, and well, I've actually internalized, put it like this. I was a decent to probably good boyfriend until I got fame. I've cheated on every bitch since. <laughs> like, like what I, what I mean is like, like you don't even want to know the amount. So, also, <laughs> I also like you know, I've been I'm not struggling, but I've been putting like just being honest and being self aware and also accountable. Sometimes I meet like I thought Angelica was a sweet girl at first, and then she gets cheated on like eighty times by like eighty bitches, and then she's finding out constantly that she's like, yo, I. Like I love you, I can't do anything, but I'm mad. Now she's like, I'm about to just break some shit. And and, 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 Lil and Tracy. Kinda, shout out to Lil Tracy. Hold on, look. And, and, and you kind of okay, this nigga uh, didn't happen, but anyway. Um, but oh, when, it didn't. I thought it did. My bad. But at some point, you kind of then put yourself in this cycle, which is almost like a toxic cyclone type of way, in terms of you become complicit, and this is almost it becomes what you're also perpetuating as well, right? You are, it's not that you're just a victim, right? Because that seems to be, there's a common theme with all the women I've dated, but there's also self-accountability too. Like, 
My nigga, if, if if maybe you just keep your dick to one pussy, and when you say you're in a relationship, maybe they won't be going crazy. Because truth be told, that's usually what happens, right? Yeah. Like, like Angelica first broke some shit when she thought that I fucked Selena. Then she broke some shit when she fought, found like 18 sex tapes on my fucking computer. Like, they were just there. Oh, she was like, who are these bitches, right? Like, she was really crazy. So, again, you know, and I remember even talking to her, and I hate to, you know, I, know, uh, I, I want people to hit her, and, you know, she's on to her new situations. But she even told me, she was like, yeah, I kind of, like, it, it was just, like, I blacked out. Like, I saw the guy who I love fucking, like, 20 bitches. Like, what the fuck you want me to do? So, again, I do think there's a part of me, like, you don't cheat on Leonard, do you? I guarantee if you cheat on Leonard, there'll be a lot of shit going on. But you don't need to cheat on her because you fucking bitches on camera. So that's good. Yeah, and I also just like, I mean, me more than most people, I've learned how fucking messy it gets when you're, you know, dealing with chicks. Like when you're cheating or doing anything scandalous with chicks, like you just can't trust them. I had a girl lie. Like a girl came from like a part, basically like partied with me and Lena and then we all went back and fucked. And then she ended up making up some shit and saying that she was like too loaded or whatever. She was totally fucking normal. And she ends yeah. up lying about that shit. So even right there, that was like the biggest eye opening experience ever to be like, oh, you are a fucking idiot if you do any dumb shit at all at this point in your life. So, I mean, that even having something like that happen and how, like that, I could never think about just fucking some random girl the same after having hey. an experience like that. So, so I, I can say this, and, and and hopefully this will answer all the questions with that, right? Because I think I've been pretty transparent about everything else. Uh-huh. So, but I I will say this: I am at the point, right, where it's just like, you know, I think when I meet women now, and even my last situation, because of who I am, they now use social media and they use the fame as leverage. Yeah. Okay, I can't get you to act like I want. I'm about to say something online. You're like, you're gonna have to deal with everybody talking about something, even if it's not true. So now it's it's almost like you're, you know, um, I'm becoming weary of this because like it, it's it's put me to answer unnecessary questions that either ain't true or is really derogatory or some other shit. And then now it's like. At first, I was having fun. Now it's like, yo, I don't think I'm having fun no more. You know what I mean? At first, it was like, all right, maybe this is. But now it's like, you know what? Maybe I should just. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta put my bit. My, my my little banner in the rafters. I did enough. Academics did his thing, and I'm about to be like Charlotte. Charlotte used to cheat on his wife all the time. I ain't trying to be like some Kobe shit, but like he's saying, maybe I maybe I finally become faithful or some shit. I, maybe that'll help. I, I mean, the, see, that's the thing is that your life will get so much better in so many ways once you get into a relationship. And because, like, I remember uh, you know the author Ryan Holiday. He had he had this conversation with me like right before I got into my relationship with Lena, where he basically told me like, get in a relationship get serious, settle down and have kids. It'll be the best thing that ever happens to you business-wise. I'm thinking in my head, what the fuck are you talking about? If I'm having to balance my time with a relationship and kids, how the fuck is that going to make my business better? But I can honestly say that I think that that's happened. And if you even want to just talk about like a PR side of things, I think, you know, look at what we see happen to rappers when they get into public relationships with high-value females, especially if they can avoid the love and hip-hop angle which i think especially with the whole blue face thing we've really kind of seen or at least like been reminded of the fact that this is just like very rarely good for men 
but your fan base would open up so much. Like I, I like the point that you made the other day with, that your Instagram has five million uh, subscriber or followers, and Shade Room has twenty five million. It's like that black woman celebrity gossip category is fucking gigantic. And as a rapper, your entire music career history is fucking irrelevant until you start dating a famous black woman that they love. And then boom, you're in that conversation. The problem is, is that, I mean, you see it with DDG is that like, you're going to be the villain unless you are fucking Michael B. Jordan or like one, uh, one of these very few rare guys that gets to be in the good guy category. And I think he only gets to be in the good guy category because he's basically absent from all public appearances. And like you only get to see him when he's like on camera in a movie or whatever. But if you could insert yourself into that world, it just automatically makes you a million times bigger. Now, you're going to be the villain either way. And especially you being you, every single fucking bad thing that you ever said is just going to get recycled for content. As soon as like, if you, if you dated Chloe Bailey, well, no offense to DDG. I don't want to like do that. But like, if you dated somebody like her, yeah, yeah, what, like what happens in the next 12 months of your career? Because it's going to make you way bigger, way more talked about, but also probably maybe kind of hurts you in the long run. Right. Yeah, yeah, like something like that, right? Will probably almost like neuter me from like the edginess that kind of has built my audience, even though it exposed me to this whole other audience. Right. And like, for example, like I was even saying about Krishan Rock, Krishan Rock, which I don't know if, know if people really agree with me, but right now, Krishan Rock on a social media clout level is more lit than Blueface has ever been without a song. Right now, like she goes live, a hundred thousand people is watching her. Why? They want to just get the glimpse of her being motherly to a baby, which is such like a it's like such a random but just natural act. It's not even something that requires skill. There's no jokes being told. There's no rapping being done. And then you kind of look at that. That's why I think Blueface is a little salty. I'd be salty, too. I built you up and now they just love you for being you. I need to do boxing, rap the best. I need to do all these great things just to get an ounce of the love that you're getting by just breathing. Right. Which is crazy. But, okay, if he makes Jaden Alexis as big as Krishan Rock, or even in that fucking area, doesn't that make him, like, one of the goats of this shit? Like, he's he's puffy all of a sudden, if he can fucking do that. I'm not saying nah, that's he's, likely. He's raging. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, he he's, he's like, an unbelievable legend if he actually makes her pop off. And, I mean, it, it's, I mean, she's just, like, a participant in this reality show that is his life, I guess. But I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. Do you think he should have like been on the hunt for somebody maybe a little bit more explosive to turn into his next pet project? See, and, and this is why I kind of like I, I kind of came back to the side of liking Blueface and what he's doing. I think he's just doing natural shit. Like he's yeah. I don't think he's intentionally doing shit. He has a particular lifestyle and he's just trying to put the business in accordance with whatever he likes to do. Right. He likes fucking a bunch of bitches. Okay, that's not, let's make the business around that. He likes it. So I'm not mad at that, but yeah, just to wrap this up, and, and I do want to get to, let's get some media shit. I want to ask you about AD and all those guys as well. Okay. Um, but as far as my personal life goes, I, I will, I'll agree with you. And I heard you say that. I didn't think it was hate at all. I actually thought it was a good point. And by the way, AD brought up a good point. Um, you know, I am like these days I am very weary and, and it's almost like I'm like super I'm kind of a little bit fed up with especially some of the things what in terms of personal life going to public shit. And then it's just like 
I hate when people start leveraging the fact that you are around me publicly. Like that's that's like I don't know if you've ever been like that with people before, but anytime. Okay, so for example, if you're living in my house or you're around me, and you've seen me in either unflattering um, ways or you've heard me say things that maybe I was probably just trying to keep close to the chest, or if you've seen anything or or whatever, or just that people know you're there, so anything you say they'll believe. If you weaponize that, it's it's like you know, um, I don't know. Like, I think the last couple of relationships I've been in, it was kind of like, all right, I'm tolerating it. Kind of. Also, there's highs and lows. Now it's kind of getting like stale. I'm gonna be honest. It's like, all right, if 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 this is gonna go down and I'm not getting a Zeus check, I need to cut this this shit off. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that you would almost be better off at this point just. Going full, full in that direction because right now you're doing like the, the well, but at the same time I don't feel like people have really uh, jumped on any of the shit with this girl. Like I'm not seeing it in the not media right. that crazy and shit. And part of that is the fact that they don't feel like they know her. If they felt like they really knew her, i.e., from you doing content or being on a Zeus show with her, then all of a sudden that would change, and that's when you'd really be fucked, brother. Yeah, well, 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 well that's the difference. And also, I say to women around me, I'm like, listen. I have a 95% male audience. Yeah. You're never going to get my male audience to be like, oh, they love you. <laughs> now, it's different. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, we love you now. No. <laughs> it's different if, like, you know, when you're on a reality show, you get that female audience, and now they're like, fuck him. We're team you. Right. That's completely different. But also, that makes me never want to do reality team. You get what I mean? Because once you do that, you almost kind of create the beast that eventually tries to eat you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what's happening to Blueface. Yeah. So, so even now, I, I, like I usually, like I, I'll tell I'll tell whoever around me, I'm like, okay, uh, I get it. You just put up some bullshit that's not true and cool. I might have to cuss two niggas out online, but we're just gonna keep going on. And also, like for the most part, like some of those things, I realize it gains more legs when I address it. But this is my thing: is that I have an irrational belief and and willingness to to like I'm rooting for Blueface. I'm kind of getting yeah. on my Dejan Paul report card type shit where like this dude Dejan who does the rap report card and he uh, yeah, is on No Jumper sometimes and stuff. He's he's like part of the news crew uh, a couple of times a week. He cares about seeing L.A. rappers win to such an extent that I'm kind of not used to because like I'm from New Hampshire, lived in New York for seven years. Then I moved to L.A. and it's like. I love New York rap. I love L.A. rap to a certain extent, but I never really was like rooting for a certain city to win. But when I look at Blueface, it's like we can't have YG be the only like fly gang member rapper representing the West Coast. Now, granted, YG does an amazing job of it, but when there's only one of them, it kind of makes it seem like too much of an anomaly. And it's like we need Blueface to prove that you can like come up out of the trenches of L.A. and still be a fly ass adult male doing things. And I don't know, like in that regard, it's just like, I want to see him win and I want him to maybe like, I don't know. I just don't know if the Jaden Alexis move is the move. Like I, I feel like if he can do that and it's convenient because she is his first baby mama dope. So Adam, but I also Adam, feel like it would almost be easier for him to just start from scratch. No, he's gonna get back with his baby mama. Like she has, yo, she has the cloud. She has the cloud, baby. He's gonna work. Hey, by the way, you preemptively uh, jumped out the window and and almost like fucking announced um, something which I later announced that 
my podcast is transitioning from Spotify. I was in an actual, you announced it during the week that we were actually having conversations with them um, about two things, whether we we're going to continue on for either, for either um, like a year more or we were going to transition out and what that would look like. Right. And, you know, my, my agent and my, my lawyer has been fighting for like, you know, we're getting actually everything back to all the assets. So, you know, for anyone who thought I never owned the podcast, it's everything's coming back to me. But you, but, they, they got rid of almost everybody, right? Say again? They got rid of like the vast majority of the people that were doing exclusive podcasts, right? Yes. They've been cleaning the house, honestly. So it's like, uh, if you ask me, I think... This year, about 85% of their original content is going to be just either weeded out. Um, and if you ask me about probably next year, we might only see like Rogan over there still in just because Rogan is that guy and you just have to acknowledge it. You know what I mean? But this reminds me a lot of uh, the whole like original streaming wars where you remember like Apple Music was paying for like yeah, what Chance the Rapper or who else had exclusives? I can't even fucking remember, but Title had a few of them. It's like it's it's almost the same thing where you see the value of a podcast host being temporarily artificially inflated by all these big ass corporations trying to get involved in a hot marketplace like podcasting. And that was always kind of weird for me to witness because I'm over here homegrown just doing shit that is like self-owned. And, yeah, we have sponsors and shit like that. But it's like I'm building everything without any kind of corporate partners and to see, you know, all, and, and like, I'm sure you see it too, where you have all these podcasts that, you know, the, the Spotify playlist podcasts and shit that are kind of popping up out of the middle of nowhere. And the economics on these podcasts that are being built by some of these streaming platforms and shit just makes no fucking sense. They're paying people way too much money. These podcasts are not getting fucking views. And, you know, you realize that that's artificially inflated. That's, infl every, industry, though. that's huh? every industry. Yeah, so that's it's like, industry. like this. And, and and this is why, like, even for example, now, and I'll, I'll be like pretty transparent too, right? Like, I have a I have a contract now to like. First of all, everything that's happened in the podcast market, I think it's it's ending now, right? So, like, for example, if you want to know when that era started, Joe Button was the start. I think I'm the end, right? So we're kind of both we're we're one half of <clears throat> that era. Obviously, you're gonna have the people like Joe Rogan. They they might transcend, but that's Joe Rogan. But everybody else, you know. It was probably beneficial for you. Like, for example, for me, like, and I'll be very honest and upfront. I never did a podcast, right? I'm leaving everyday struggle, right? They're offering millions. Hey, we know because you have the brand, you have the facial recognition, you have the fucking, I don't even know if I'm a household name, but whatever, whatever metrics they were looking at. Hey, and I believe they tried to get Charlemagne before. So they had offered Charlemagne a bag. Like he turned it down. Um, he said, I heard so they couldn't get Joe. They couldn't get Charlemagne. They offered me. Cool. We worked some shit out. Uh, it ended up turning into, there was like a whole bidding where I could probably say now, um, I, um, Apple and Spotify were going back and forth at it. At first, they didn't want to give me ownership. And I was like, yo, you know, so my man, um, Larry Jackson over Apple. It was like, yo, you know, Apple Apple actually offered us like a million more like per year. And we're just like, yo, we're about to go there. Spotify comes back with pretty much all the terms you want. We agree. But I'm Apple, like, yo, Apple doesn't even have exclusive podcasts, do they? That's well, here's that's the funny part about it. At the time, Larry Jackson was was in the system of Apple. This is before Jimmy Iovine is officially out of there. He was about to get his home. Remember, Larry Jackson's reason why exclusive um, rappers were doing exclusive deals. Period. He brought exclusives. 
that's why uh, Lucian Grange, the guy who runs, I don't know if you, you know music business, right? The, oh. the Lucian Grange, the guy who runs the whole Universal, right. when he's seen what, what Larry Jackson did with Drake, where Drake's album was out for a week on like Apple, he said, fuck this. We're not doing this anymore. But the guy who single-handedly did it, which by the way, he's a genius. So salute to Larry Jackson. He's also the guy who brought, at least when um, um, Versus was on Apple, he did the Gucci man and, 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 and Jeezy thing where Gucci was like, he's getting a million. So this guy's like a power player. Uh, at the time, he was having a situation kind of brewing where they're about to just kind of give him autonomy. Like, hey, listen, you could do these shows for Apple Plus. Right. So in reality, back then, there was a conversation to be had about me and Joe even reuniting on Apple, but also me getting my podcast on Apple. So it's going to be a huge deal. Right. I'm, I'm kind of waiting for it. Me and Joe were kind of communicating a little bit. By the way, this is the year I got the podcast. All of a sudden, Spotify is, is in a running. Like, they're fucking with me. By the way, to keep it real, I wanted to be a Spotify. Because my agents, they, they were talking to me. Like, they wanted me to be an Apple, you know, and, and no disrespect. I Hopefully, I'm not, like, just spewing too much business because I would love to work with either or later. But eventually, it came down to, um, you know, if I had signed to Apple, like, this was the, the major thing for me. If I had signed to Apple, I couldn't start till like, the year after. So I would have to sit on the shelf. And for me, you know, I cared about the optics. I'm like, I'm leaving everyday struggle. Yes, I'm going to go back to doing what I'm normally doing. But if people just see act looking like he's stagnated, that's not good. If I hit if I hit the Spotify joint right now, we lit, right? Um, we go to Spotify, and we, and we had a beautiful two years over there. And, um, yeah, now it's like they're just, done, they're just in the business model of being done with those deals. What's happening there is happening now in streaming. So now I have a, I have a Rumble deal. And, shit, even though I'm on Twitch and YouTube, I can say this too. I'm very upfront. By the way, for everybody who's watching, the reason why I'm upfront because I do consider myself just like Adam is, just like Joe is, just like Charlemagne is. We're leaders in the space, and I try to be upfront with my business, hoping that it could let you know where the market is going. Because some of y'all dream and like you know, like work towards like either these bigger bags or want to know what's the best way to kind of make a career out of this, and it moves quickly. Like for example, right now. All these companies, they're offering, at least for now, for streaming. So I picked up a streaming deal. Kai Snat did. Aiden did. All these people did. Now, let's be very clear. In two years, that's done. I do not think I think I'm going to get paid this year, next year. And after that, they're going to be like, we built our audience. We'll give you a scaled-down version or something of the sort. That's just the reality of it, right? Mm. And um, for me, I just try to, you know, I think me and you, we have different business models in a sense. Your shit is just all homegrown, get it out the mud, because I don't know if these companies don't holler at you, or maybe they do, but they don't offer whatever you need. But for me, it's like, I get, I always get to do both, right? Like, for example, I'm not signing a contract that I can't sell Twitch. I'm not signing, I don't care what contract, I'm not going to sign a contract, um, like, let's say it's going to be for a show if I can't do my podcast and Twitch. So for me, it's just a supplemental thing. So for me, it's like, hey, if you're bringing millions of dollars to the table, right? Like this contract with Rumble, it's to Rumble, you know, my man Chris over there. I'm still allowed to stream on these other platforms partially, right? Like Kick, I could have went to Kick, but they're going to be like, you got to leave Twitch. You got to, you can't be on YouTube. Hmm. Makes sense to, to be over here. You know what I mean? So it's really all business, but I do know that this is going to end, right? Two years, like they're not going to keep paying this indefinitely. And um, that's kind of where we are, just like business wise. I think I'm try I try to educate the audience with it, 
But, um, you know, it, it's hard for sometimes people to understand if they're not in these rooms or in these conversations yet. Well, you know what it is? It's like uh, what happened in golf where you know about, like, the PGA and live. Yeah. You ever mm -hmm. read about that shit? It's like Liv comes in and they, you know, are owned by Saudi Arabia. They have infinite money and they say, hey, golfers, we're going to guarantee you a shitload of money because normally these golfers, they can make a shitload of money, but it's all based on them winning tournaments. And it's like, you know, there's hundreds of dudes in each tournament. So it might be like $10 million if you win a tournament, but you're like, I have like a one in 500 chance of winning. So then Liv comes in and they say, hey, we have infinite money, which basically stake, aka uh, kick has infinite money. They say, okay. We're going to pay everybody a shitload of money to the point where even people who have a principled stance against working with a company that's basically, you know, operating out of Saudi funds has to basically go do it. And then at some point, the PGA just relents and says, OK, we're so scared of how deep your pockets are that we're going to just merge with you and that we're just going to be one league. And it's pretty fucking crazy because you could imagine that kind of happening within like any other sport. Like what the fuck is to stop Saudi Arabia from coming to the NBA and saying the same fucking thing? I don't know that the NBA players are unhappy enough with their deals or whatever that they would want to do such a thing, but you could imagine it. And yeah, I, I actually, I didn't even think about like how temporary this whole like getting paid to stream wave is, but that's definitely probably true. I haven't actually heard from any of the companies in terms of making us offers or whatever, but... Huh? Every number you hear from, uh, I don't want to mention any particular person's contract. The max is one, is two years. Max. Right. And, and most people are usually on a one, maybe two. Because, again, you know, they're just trying to buy market share. Like, it's the same with with, with um exclusive podcasts. Spotify wanted to be the, that was their, their only goal. We want to be the number one place where podcast is consumed. Mm -hmm. They did that over the time that they spent a lot of money. Now that they're number one, now they're like, okay, we're going to chill back and now focus on certain different things. Also, we stopped spending so much money. Our stock price or our quarterly reports look a little bit better because we're not losing our hemorrhaging money. Now we're making more and we got market share. So shit's looking. I mean, it's, it's all business. I mean, you understand business. So it, it works. No, yeah, I mean, it's the same logic by which, uh, you know, somebody like Vlad is telling me how much he's paid for certain interviews. But some of those interviews are loss leaders where, like, you know, he might, you know, there there's certain artists that I see. I don't even ask them, but I'm just like, I bet he had to pay that guy, you know, 10 grand or who knows how much, maybe even double that or triple that or whatever. And maybe that makes it so it's hard for him to turn a profit on that one individual interview. But if it normalizes his platform and, you know, especially with like, I feel like he started to really pay for interviews around the same time that all those dudes tried to leave and tried to take Vlad TV yeah. down. And I think that's when he kind of really started to like invest in the content a little bit more. And it makes sense because at that moment it's like, you need a Raekwon or you need a, a fucking, you know, a Dennis Rodman or whatever on your platform to kind of make it look good. But we now live in this kind of weird new era where people getting paid for podcast appearances is like the new normal. But did you, you never did any of that while you were at Spotify, I kind of assume? First of all, Vlad fucked up the market. But, but, but I understand <laughs> I know, right? because his, like, to be honest, like, Vlad is really cutting checks. Like, but like this, it, it got weird to me at points when, like, like, for example, like we hit up Adrian Broner and he would be like, yo, this is my fee. And I was like, what? Like, interviews were never paid. You get what I mean? I it was like, hey, listen, like, you shouldn't be coming to my platform if you don't see a mutual benefit in the promotion or getting whatever information that you want to get out. And I shouldn't be interviewing you if I don't think that you being on my platform is worth it. 
But now, like, you know, for example, I think what Vlad did spawns the spawned the like of a lot of people that I don't know if you pay them, but like it spawned the the um the Charleston Whites of this world who literally Charleston at the point was getting going around getting like seventy five hundred and uh, 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 um a podcast, I right? Think he still is. And he, he honestly does so many numbers that it's like you can understand and I know people who've paid him like a shitload of money for interviews but at the same time if you're charleston light white like why are you going to be just hitting random podcasts all the time knowing that they're profiting tens of thousands of dollars off of this shit and not expect something in return like it totally makes sense from his perspective but it also is kind of weird because like in the comedy landscape i'm pretty sure none of this is taking place because they correctly assume that like you go on a comedy podcast you get you get seen People go to your gigs, people buy your merch, people whatever, like stream your content. And that's how you're basically profiting from it. But you have a lot of people in hip hop, whether it's like a Charleston White or a Jay Main, who kind of like correctly realize that they're not monetizing their themselves or their content to such an extent that it's just automatically going to make sense. And if it does, like, you know, they not, there's just too much competition because a Jay Main has me, DJ you and whoever the fuck else, like all these different platforms kind of competing to make content with him. So even when I tried to sign Jay main to no jumper, it was just like, I'm competing with the fact that he's getting paid a shitload of money to go do all these different interviews all the time. And when I'm competing against that, it's like, well, I would have to like pay him too much to be exclusive to this platform. We, we couldn't come to any kind of conclusion. How, how, so, uh, you know, obviously, um, I'm pretty sure you've seen that. Actually, you know, um, I saw your comments about me doing the academy. And by the way, I, uh, there's a little bit of shade, but there was also very positive. I wasn't uh, very, trying to be shady at all. I was just, I honestly was just acknowledging what this challenge is going to be like because right. I, right. I, I threw a lot of fucking paint at the wall trying out all these different hosts and stuff. And it's like some of them worked and some of them, like honestly, AD was kind of like the first one who really, got real traction you know like like house phone people were fucking with him but like with ad he kind of like seized the opportunity and like really like took that on with your shit it's like my main concern is like i think you need to be on camera with him like if it's if every episode of the academy to start is ack and his fucking three four five different pals talking on camera i think that could work i think that the idea of just putting them on camera without you is going to be like the, the audience is not going to know what to do with it. The same way I think that Selena thing that you did probably would have worked better if you were on camera with that, too, as opposed to it just being her and her fucking yes man friend sitting there with her. Hey, no, no, I agree with you with that. And by the way, the reason why you, you were definitely spot on with even the, even the analysis of like Selena, like Selena was just too far gone for me to be sitting next to her. And I had too much going on. Yeah. It's like I couldn't go down that route. So it was one of those like I'll produce it. But hopefully, like, you know, we could kind of like be involved, but not really, which you ultimately you kind of especially if it's coming out of your channel. Like you, you're 100 right. Should I even had a you know whole conversation with like a bunch of guys yesterday? I was like, no, Adam's right. Like for example, the reason why like even that the, the that episode that was filmed that was filmed after the show. Like I was exhausted. I did so much that day. I was like sleeping up at my other studio. So like they, they um they did it with AD, who slew to AD. Like he was just like powering through everything. But you're right. I, and I told them the same thing. I said, yo. I'm glad y'all did the episode with AD, but like we also we have to do these episodes to kind of explain because that was the biggest thing with the Selena thing. Or anytime I change content, I don't know if you're you probably think the same about your channel, but I know my channel. Yo, they're so married to me doing one thing 
that I even had to kind of explain when I started putting podcasts. They were so used to news, like news little updates. I kind of even had to explain when I started putting full length podcasts to uh, to the point where when you put something that's not even you're not even on camera for, it's just straight hate. Like they don't even fuck what it is. So oh, yeah. I agree with you on that. Hundred percent. Because I mean, I've always had interests that are all over the place. So it's like in the beginning when No Jumper was this like hip trendy soundcloud rap thing that like people were just like really engaged with it's like the 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 unfortunate reality is that i wanted to interview riley reed and i wanted to interview some fucking pokemon go youtuber and i wanted to interview nade shot and like all these just random comedians and personalities and stuff and that's like when i go back in my mind and think about like what i could have done with no jumper that always kind of stands out to me is like, what if I only ever just did interviews with these super cool rappers in that moment? Because there was a lot of like fans who wanted me to just talk to Suicide Boys and all these other like rappers who fucking wear FTP and like, you know, like are kind of in like the same category of rapper, you know? And like for me, I just kind of, I couldn't really do it. Like I had to like do shit all over the place. And sometimes I'm like, damn, that was a, a mistake because I could have made the brand cooler by being more like a fashion brand and being more exclusive with it and more aesthetic with it versus just sort of throwing paint at the wall and doing everything. Although I, I but that is kind of like the flavor of No Jumper that makes it interesting to people to a certain extent is the fact that we do talk to all these different people and we do have all these crazy ass characters. Like to a certain extent, I don't know how cool a brand from like a streetwear fashion type perspective you can really have when it's a podcast because podcasting and making YouTube content of people just talking on camera is just kind of like an uncool thing inherently. Like it's just not, you, you don't, you don't picture people wearing a ton of podcast merch. Like it just doesn't really seem like okay. the sexiest thing on earth versus like people all over the world wear skateboard company merch because you know, a video part of somebody skateboarding for three minutes and doing their hardest tricks is like a cool thing. People telling jokes are loud. Like this, this is like informative for the audience and stuff, but I don't think somebody's going to buy like an Adam and academics live stream in the middle of September, uh, piece of merch. Like that just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it has that aesthetic weight. No, well, well, well I'm going to be honest with you. Like, um, I think, I think the space has evolved, but, but even, even like, for example, you know, we just did our first live show. Like, um, shit. We you have to remember you started off, and even when I first even like linked up with you, like you have a store, like we've kind of just been based online, and this is like a new undergoing for us, right? Like we've never we've never done a meetup, my nigga, like mm. ever. We never done anything, so it's like like this year is kind of like about challenges and like really just trying to get out get out of our comfort zone because yeah, like you know you. Know, we stream and I stream on like five different platforms and the number is always great, but it's like, we, we, we have to convert it into reality. And I remember when you were going through the whole um, situation with AD and obviously T rail and like even household eventually leaving. I remember I hit you on the side and, and there was a lot of people, especially my audience was like, yo, you gotta go crazy on them. But I had, a, I had a lot of grace, but specifically, and, and I remember hitting you about this. I said, yo, I'm going to be honest with you. And, and this is as humble as you could be, or maybe my audience have heard me be. Like I was, I used to tell you, I said, I'm learning from you because I'm like, eventually I'm going to do this and I'm going to probably, I'm trying to watch what you're doing. And even if I think you're doing something wrong, 
You know, they always say, like, you know, a smart man learns from his own mistakes, a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. But you you start doing this shit, and I was like, all right, so if I do sign people, how do I sign them? Do I, does it have to be kind of like an exclusive thing? Does it have to have, like, a non-compete? Like, you went through it, and, you know, obviously the whole thing with, like, you know, AD and T-Rail and everything happened. I, I'm wondering, uh, where's that situation at right now? Um... You know, it's like, on one hand, I got nothing against them, so I kind of don't have anything negative to say about them or whatever. But then on the other hand, you know, and I say that because it's like, it's cool to be like a good person and to not hold grudges and shit. But then you have like the more realistic aspect of it, which is that they really tried to like take me out and like eliminate me from the fucking content space. And they really like, in a way that's kind of different than even the Rory and Maul thing, like... Rory and Maul dipped out of the Joe Budden thing and they threw shade on the way out and they, you know, attempted to do damage to Joe's career on the way out because of how disrespected they felt and stuff like that. And I think that they had some pretty legitimate grievances from my perspective. I don't really think those guys had very legitimate grievances. I think that their grievances were pretty surface level and going back to it. I think that that well, we, we can get to the whole, the whole disrespect angle of it because that's kind of like the main tip i have for you but let's let's get back to that oh let's hash this out a little bit okay so i disagree a little bit right and i think business wise and you just making i've always had this 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 thought about this whole thing business wise i think you're right but i do believe that the guys that you had brought something unique to no jumper that rory and millie mall never brought to, to to the joe button show I believe that that's probably what, fair. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What AD and T. Rel brought to that building and brought in terms of perception, and also ingratiated with the even the community at large. I could imagine at times it's probably hard for them to just like kind of look at look at it from like a bird's eye view, like and be like, "Hey, okay, this is just business." They're probably like, "Yo." Yo, I put my my life on the line for like this motherfucking shit right here. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if I feel I'm not being treated right, or if I feel like I'm not being respected, or I feel like I'm I'm being disrespected, shit, that's gonna make me feel a certain type of way, which is kind of opposite to you know them other dudes, you know, uh, like Rui and Millie Mall. Like, they were upset about you know, like they said it was contractual stuff, but really they were just upset about being called workers. Like, if we really keep it on it. <laughs> I think your guys were more, they felt, and you've heard this criticism though. Van like probably laid it out to you when he went, he came up there and he said, yo, I do think there's a lack of empathy and, and probably just how you deal with people. Like if if there was no friendship, maybe that would fly, but there's going to be bruised egos and people are probably going to, you know, get fed up at a point if they actually think you're friends. No, right? I, I no. mean, I, I can definitely own up to that is that in terms of how I deal with people and I've made this mistake many times in my career, even going back to the BMX days where there would be somebody that I had a close relationship with, we're around each other a lot and I'm paying them in some way or whatever. And then at a certain point, I don't want to pay them anymore or it doesn't seem like a good arrangement anymore and I want to exit this relationship and I think that on the way out in those kind of situations, you really like owe it to that person to really be human about it and have the extended hour long conversation or whatever. And I've always been somebody who just kind of like moved on to the next thing business wise way too quickly and just didn't really like 
do that exit talk, you know, and I'm not sure that the exit talk always guarantees you that you have like a amicable uh, part, but you know, like I think that definitely there's been a lot of people over the years that I should have like, you know, like, and this is just, it's going to be a problem in business no matter what, that if you hire your friends, it's just going to be, there's going to be times we have to then fire your friends. And then at that point, they're probably not going to be friends with you anymore. And you're going to have to deal with that. And I've seen it happen to me over and over and over, especially as I like transitioned into no jumper from the BMX shit. But I guess, you know, with those dudes in general, while they were at no jumper, I wish that I had like, engaged in more of like real relationships with them. And I mean, to a certain extent, you know, they were coming to my fucking parties at my house, like, you know, with, with my girl's family and shit like that. And, you know, there was a bit of that, but I probably should have done more of it. And I think that like part of me kind of pulling away from them as like real friends in like the last six months, let's say of that whole thing was that I started to get really resentful of the fact that they were clearly focused on streaming and that they clearly were focused on building their own platforms. And it's like, I, I have somebody that I know who's been like sending me, they, they've been like rewatching the last couple months of the No Jumper show and shit and sending me clips that stood out to them of how they were talking to me towards the end and just how much disrespect there was being thrown around. And that's kind of like one of the biggest things that I wish that I had done differently is that. I think AD realized like really early on that he could get a cheap laugh by saying fuck no jumper or fuck Adam 22 or whatever, or just kind of playing this like rebellious, like toddler role for a, a period of time. And I think that that's oh, what, I, mean, I'm man. I mean, I'm just saying like that he just like at a certain point was just going back to the well way too many times on this same fucking joke of like, Oh look, I'm like, I'm acting bad. I'm, 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 I'm acting up. I'm, I'm acting crazy, whatever. Like it just, I should have, as soon as he started to do that, I should have said, listen, you can't ever disrespect the brand. You know, you can't like any, like you can do stuff, like be focused on your own career. It's all good. But like, you just can't, cross that line of disrespecting the brand or me as the leader of the brand. Like that's just the one thing that can't fly. You can disagree with me. We can have heated conversations, whatever, but you just can't like really go against when they say nobody's bigger than the program, no jumper yeah. as a whole is the program. So it's like anybody who's going to be part of the team over here or whatever, it's like, it has to be clear to the people out there that no jumper is bigger than any one single person's actions and therefore if somebody loses their job it's like the only opinion to be had of it is like okay like that's that's what the company decided that they needed to do and i was just like there was just way too much like angsty fucking rebellious shit going on at a certain point and that's probably like the biggest thing that i could recommend to you is that you just have to have the conversations to the extent where people really know what the line is and what the, what they can and can't do because, and, and would that have really worked out with those guys in the long run? I don't know because T-Rell is a fucking, he's just like the most like rebellious person that I've ever met, which like makes him cool. But also like, and people don't even really get to see it on camera because a lot of the conversations and the arguments that we would be having in the group chat would just be like the most mind blowingly infuriating shit ever where he would be so wrong about something and just like doubling and tripling down on it to such an ex insane extent and then also 
kind of like immediately after be like, ah, I was trolling you. And if I was trolling you, I got you. Ha ha. I got you out of character. It comes across like when it it comes to like AD, it's like, you know, there's some type of, you know, okay. Like, obviously this will work out, but you know, whatever, whatever. It feel like you don't fuck with uh, Tyrell at all, bro. I'm going to be honest. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, I'm gonna ask two questions in one. Okay, but so, he but he, he hurts. My my feelings are the most hurt about him because I believed in him the most as a broadcaster, and I felt like he had the most room to grow with no jumper. Which is that's why it's kind of weird now, is because I feel like you don't you're not seeing him grow because he's the best podcaster in the room nine times out of ten. And so as a result, like I felt like he was getting a lot better when he was around me because he was learning and progressing and stuff like that. And I th- I feel like his audience has really kind of like seen the limits of where he's at as an interviewer, as a personality. And it's not like they don't fuck with him, but I feel like the interest is kind of waning because they liked him more when they were seeing him be challenged on a consistent basis. And I feel like he's not doing enough of that at this point. Mm. Okay. So, so the next thing I, w- I do want to ask, so, Compared to your current staff now, right? So your current staff now, as opposed to like you know, AD and T. Relative them. In hindsight, do you wish you had um changed, or did you do you wish you had uh worked it out with these guys now in in a, in a, in a new contract, or do you wish? Like, I'm probably asking. I'm butchering this question. What do you think would have done better, <clears throat> even if you had to give up more? Working out with AD and T-Rail, or like these new guys, because you have to go through the whole thing again with them trying to make them stars. But the thing is, is that like, you know, Sharp was already like doing the most numbers out of pretty much anybody on the platform before AD and T-Rail left, you know? So Brick Baby had kind of like just started to come around or had only been on camera a couple of times at that time. You know, Flacco had already been there. Almighty had already been there. So it's like we did say goodbye to a lot of people kind of all at the same time. And it is unfortunate that we haven't really like like we need to add more people. It's just we've been kind of, you know, sort of uh, antsy about who we add and stuff like that. But I think because we're re- we're doing the store thing again. And I feel like the yeah. store is going to be a big way that we kind of like are able to find a lot more talent and create a lot more content. Because I feel like there was like a spontaneity about the brand in 2017 and 2018 with the store where there was just constantly crazy ass shit happening on the streams and the vlogs and stuff like that. And when we got rid of the store, I feel like we kind of lost some of that and we kind of made up for it with just having all these different personalities on stream. But I wish that I had that mentality about finding more hosts while I was still at the store. Because I think when I was at the store in 2017, 2018, I think that... I thought that if I was going to add anybody to the podcast that they needed to be able to do like a great sit down long form interview, like the way that I can, which is very, very rare. Like most people just are not ready for that. And even like AD and TRL kind of like struggle to be able to do that. And they're like pretty good on camera overall, like to be the person that people really want to see interview somebody, I feel like is one of the harder things to pull off in media to be that guy. You know, and so, but I I didn't realize when I had the store in 2017, 2018, that you could just kind of like do these streams where you just got a bunch of crazy fucking people to be coming on and stuff. And I, I didn't like harness that the way that I wanted to back then. And I'm hoping uh-huh. that we can kind of like re grab some of that energy through the store because it's, it's gotten like, it's, it's kind of weird to like audition 
talent not on camera or like, you know, the way that we are now. And, and, and that's what I was thinking as well, right? Which is kind of interesting, right? So obviously with AD and T-Rail, like it's kind of the, the epitome of, yo, they're working at No Jumper. You're kind of giving them their start in media, but then they, they start doing some shit at the crib, which they're in control of, they own, they're more incentivized to do. But here's the thing, like, for example, I'll use Flacco as an example, right? I don't know if, like, you know, and, and, and you know, somebody said this to me and I started looking at it, like, Flacco is way better on the stream than he is on No Jumper. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. for example, what does that mean, right? That means that Flacco will probably be a bigger draw on No Jumper if he gets bigger by himself. So doesn't that put you in an interesting place where you're, you kind of are incentivized to want them to do things outside of No Jumper because he could probably get a bigger or maybe he could accelerate more and bring a bigger audience that might transfer on a no jump, I mean, right? I, I feel like the thing with Flacco is that he's reading from a script of sorts in his videos, so he's able to like do a line a couple different times, and that's why he doesn't stutter, and that's why it sounds so much smoother. But, I, yeah, I agree. His videos are really good, and I've gotten used to watching his channel, which is kind of fucking weird to be like watching his channel and thinking, like, why am I watching this guy who works for me's YouTube videos? I don't know. But uh, uh, with AD and T-Rail, yeah, I mean... Honestly, like what people need to do and nobody's going to do this because it sounds terrible, but people need to go back and watch like the last six months of at the end of the day and just see how dry and boring it got because they were so focused on their own content and their own platforms. And it got to the point where when they would get on camera together, they would just talk about their fucking YouTube analytics or what they had going on with their brands and shit like that. And I, I wasn't watching it, but I would like read through the timestamps to like grab clips or whatever. And I just started to like really dread like Wednesday night or Thursday morning when I got the timestamps in my email because I would read through it and just I could there was no clips. There was like they weren't talking about anything interesting or exciting. And that was just it would just kill me. It would piss me off every fucking time. And I, to, like this is what I did wrong is that I should have like hit them up, had a real sit down conversation about it and express this more clearly because instead I would just kind of take jabs. I would take jabs at them on in the middle of episodes. What did you say? You should have did a deal with them to bring them under the brand. Like, I think that's what it is. I, I should, I think even what Flacco is doing, you know what I mean? I think if you guys have a bigger partnership, you should bring what he does into what No Jumper is doing. That is right? a good like, idea. But I think, okay, this is the thing is that let's say when they left, let's say back, uh, back on Fig was making $20,000 per month. Yeah. And okay. I, and so if I'm the big company and I'm going to say to them, like, hey, I'm going to sign you guys to a deal. You're going to be in-house. You're going to do this on the No Jumper channel. Maybe you put the clips on the other channel or we take over ownership of your analytics on the other YouTube, whatever. Like At that point, like how much am I going to have to pay them? Probably more than 20000 right? If they're making 20000 on their own, I probably yeah, need though. to give them 40000 right? So oh, the question no, no, is, is like, well, maybe 30000 but you probably got to give them more than they're making on their own, right? But, but, but what about this, right? Like, again, I think that's how Barstool does it. Uh, like, you don't need to own everything, right? Like, that's their show. That's their brand. Like, but it's kind of like... Barstool has a value add. Be like, hey, listen, 
like you could leverage their attention and the, the numbers they're getting to get bigger deals for just the brand of no jumper. Right. It trickles down to them. In theory, but like theory. that's the whole thing with us is like, what value add are you bringing to the table when it comes to the platform? Because Barstool has a gigantic fucking ad network. And if you watch the Gillian, Gillian Wallow podcast, it's like, T this torturous experience of having to fast forward <laughs> through a 20 minute insurance lecture or a mortgage guy or whatever. But Hey, shout out to them. That's probably like why Barstool apparently allegedly gave them so much money. I mean, I do sometimes wonder about those numbers when you, they're talking about a $10 million deal or a hundred million. I, I don't, to me, that's kind of like hard to understand how the fuck that's 30. I heard it's 30. What are we even talking about over the course of a year, over the course of two years? Because their views don't add up to that, right? I think thirty for two. I think thirty for two or or three. I've heard it's more, but like that's I, like a that million a month. That number makes sense to me. I don't know. So let's say that each episode of the podcast is worth a hundred thousand dollars, which seems ridiculous. But let's say that they make a hundred thousand dollars. Barstool makes a hundred thousand dollars off each piece. You're telling me that. Th like that's normal like i don't understand how you saw that much fucking advertising on a podcast and this is not hate at all because if they actually are getting that kind of money that's amazing i just I'm i wonder if it's like marketing i actually might believe that um if we talk about just advertising jesus christ they have 18 times more ads than any podcast yeah, but it's still like it's just, three or four they, ads they, per podcast. They utilize right? all of their, like, you know, like, for example, you know, Joe, he's anti-ads. So he'll give you a four-hour podcast, not a single fucking shout-out, right? Um, I don't know what you do, but maybe you have a little product placement or maybe, like, you have, like, a quick read. We do but it's not, like, much. habitual. Like, y'all remember watching, like, a Floyd Mayweather interview and it literally just cut mid-interview? To like a whole nother interview. <laughs> <laughs> I know. With some mortgage guy who's probably a scammer, right? I don't know. Like, who the fuck are these guys? And sometimes that 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 is the number one thing that will make me not interview you is if I Google you or, or search you up on YouTube and I realize that you paid to do an interview on another platform. So now I'm offended that you actually seriously think I'm gonna interview you for free. So that's just a word of advice to those guys that as soon as you pay to be on a podcast, a Floyd Mayweather podcast, let's say, I feel like that kind of X's you out of ever having any kind of legitimacy on other podcasts. I might be wrong, but at least for me, it's a major turnoff. Yeah, yeah, but but if we, so, like, I, I love I love the kind of trade business ideas with you. So so where? Okay, I also made the statement right. So for example, right, uh, you had said actually producing, like I think it was at the end of the day or whatever. You said you were losing money on. Said right. Think so. I mean, now from a YouTube perspective, yes. Now it's not a YouTube you take you advertisements from a YouTube perspective. Okay, but from a advertiser perspective or whatever, it's like these ads don't pay some crazy amount, and we had our deal structured so that we're basically given like fifty percent of the advertisement money from a my bookie ad or whatever to them at that point. Like that's basically how we had negotiated it. So. I mean, from my perspective, it's like maybe we were breaking even or we we're probably losing money. And a big part of that, though, was the fact that YouTube stopped paying as much for live stream content. Like during the pandemic, every single episode of like the No Jumper show or at the end of the day or whatever, I would look at the analytics and it would be like three grand from AdSense on a episode that got 150K, which from my perspective is really fucking good. And that allowed us to pay the talent and still have a good amount left over for ourselves. And then we also do brand deals on top of that. 
But at a certain point, that shit got cut in half, uh, cut by like 90%. I don't know if it's just me, but in general, yeah. when we upload something, it is very difficult to get shit monetized these days. And that's why when I do an interview like the fucking THF Bezu one that we're dropping right now, it's like there are just pieces of it that we want to put out like immediately. And we just it takes fucking three days to get shit removed, uh, reviewed on YouTube these days. Yeah, no, no. So I look at me and you and even like even Vlad, uh, the way we. Like honestly, even my content now, I still. Well, I've always, ever since I, I left, or ever since I went to Everyday Struggle, YouTube revenue always became like one of the least amount of like, like income that I got. Right. So, but but I, but I know like if you're throwing a show or if you're having these shows, it has to be a good chunk of it. But like, I mean, you put you guys put shit up on Snapchat, Facebook. Right, like there's other ways to kind of use that same content. But that's why I was getting annoyed when they were fucking doing episodes at the end of the day that had no clips. It's like we're not putting shit on Snapchat when there's nothing good happening on an episode, and it's just you sitting around looking sleepy, talking about your YouTube analytics or talking about your your girl's new nail line or whatever the fuck it is. It's just like that's not Sorry. gonna that's not a clip. That's not gonna that's do anything on Snapchat. It's not gonna do anything on Facebook. So it's just basically like just garbage useless content and the views were dropping like people have revisionist revisionist history and they forget that like at a certain point at the end of the day was doing like 250 maybe 300k in the course of like a week and then at a certain point it became like 150 and that was because their audience was basically being slurped up by their other channels which credit to them but me as a businessman and as a person who's building something i should have just stepped in at a certain point and done something about it to make it work on both sides uh what exactly that would have been but i feel i feel like as soon as they started doing it like you actually yeah. made this point to ad very eloquently in a way that i hadn't really heard anybody say but you were like yo like adam was stuck in a bad position because he was having his fan base slurped up by you guys like he was paying people to become his competitors but then if yeah. i were to say anything about it I would have so looked like a hater and looked like I was hating on them being independent and owning their own platforms and yada, 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 that it would have been very, very, very tough for me to come off good in that conversation. And AD gave you like the most bullshit answer because he's like, no, if Adam told me that, I would have just completely switched up my content. I'm like, I'm watching this like, you cannot believe that anybody at home seriously thinks you would have stopped doing drama ass content or whatever just because i asked you to because i thought that it was stepping on no jumpers toes too much like it would have been world war three if i actually tried to have that conversation with him because ad is very like rebellious like he's just not the kind of person who would uh to be fair though a little, little piece of that though like is that. your is your fault just because what ended up being the most highly watched um no jumper content at that point was inner office beef which, I, granted, I'm probably guessing you're saying, well, if this happened at the office, let's discuss it on our shows. Right. These guys are going home, and then they might not have been there. Like, again, so it's, it, I think it's harder for them to only keep inter-office shit at the office when really a lot of people want their own personal POVs outside of the context just to show. You know what I mean? This is the thing about 
that is that a lot of people when I said that they were basically responsible for a huge percentage of the fighting and the drama and the and the gossipy bullshit that was going on people laughed at me and acted like I was projecting and that it was really about me but since those dudes left we still have a whole bunch of fucking hosts and you haven't seen any of them beefing with each other like yes they get into skirmishes and yell at each other on stream a little bit but the temperature has just been brought down so much as soon as those dudes left and then meanwhile when you look at their channels Let's be real. The only clips that do well on their channels are the ones that are talking about No Jumper or if you remove that gigantic category of their content because that's like all of their most viewed clips. It's just other drama shit. It's just like them basically like they do this thing called cooking where they just diss each other and just make accusations and just basically stir the pot. And it's like they're pretty upfront about it, which to me makes it pretty obvious that like, oh, you guys were the ones who were basically like initiating this climate of beef and when i say you guys i'm basically talking ad and tro because the whole era before them house phone and cam girl and shit like we always just got along there would be crazy dramatic things happening in the background at no jumper sometimes with people getting fired or leaving and like you know drama happening at the store at the like all of it was basically like hidden from the public because we all just kind of like had the the common sense to like not really bring a large percentage of that stuff to the front uh, or to the table in terms of what we talked about on the podcast. And so if me and Cam Girl were arguing off camera or whatever, we just never brought it to the camera. And uh, that totally changed when those dudes came in. And now it's kind of like back to normal where I know people have problems with each other and they get into it and shit, but it's just never like playing out on camera the same way. And I mean, that, that was the whole thing is that there was all this drama and shit here, but we weren't really profiting from it. Like we were very rarely the people who actually had clips about that stuff where you had something crazy like fucking uh, Kiki AD's brother, like leaving the channel or whatever. I never said one thing about it. I never talked about it once, but everybody else was talking about it nonstop. And it's like my business and everybody else is talking about it and I'm not even participating. It got kind of frustrating. Hey Adams! Oh yeah, so we're definitely coming to LA to do a live show, man. Uh, I, uh, the the Fig Munity uh, people wanted to do some shit. You want you want to be a part of it? We could we could all reunite, man. What's up? I'm not putting up on the show. ops. Hell no. What? I'm gonna get my shit sprayed if I go over there. I'm gonna have a bunch of dudes with the same name fucking pointing Dracos at me, bro. Why you? Act? It's not like I'm gonna be honest with you. Well, first of all, I did tell T-Rail, I was uh, not T-Rail, I told AD. I said, hey. I felt like, you know, if I'm going to call a spade a spade, they let you just go crazy. Like, the Big 22 was for real born during that whole era. Yeah. But the rooster, I'm going to be honest, or the 22 it, feels like, Sorry. it feels like you're stoking a fire more than they're, like, doing anything at this point. I feel like, you know, they do their thing, but they're not, like, picking at you. You're picking at them a little bit. And I understand why, but you are. So that's why I'm like, yo, hey, listen, you do know at a certain point, especially they've been taking the high road. I don't know if they're going to still take the high road. But eventually a reunion is probably going to happen, right? Like, come on. If, if a reunion ever happens, it will happen on home turf, benefiting yours truly, not me pulling up to somebody else's fucking uh, hangout where they where they kick it. That's not happening. But anyway, if they want to repent to their sins for their sins, they're welcome anytime. But uh, you have to remember, oh, like, AD the- told me this, and I'm wondering what you think about it. He said he knew it was over at No Jumper the moment. Um, him and T-Rail did a live show and they did like, I don't know, maybe like a thousand people like without you. No, they did the exact same. They did the exact same venue that No Jumper did our first live show at, but it was like a couple months later. 
Well, I mean, that's still impressive. So it shows yeah, that yeah. they have some cachet that didn't rely on the No Jumper brand. That, that, that's important, right? Yeah, but it was like, it kind of relied on the No Jumper brand because I don't think that they're... Uh, li- I mean, I'm not saying that they won't have success on their upcoming live shows or anything, but, you know, the, the live stream that they announced uh, at the Novo or whatever, that didn't sell out. That's like still, they have tickets available, which in comparison... Those other shows that they did while they were at No Jumper sold out immediately. So, I mean, I feel like they're kind of uh, feeling some of those growing pains of sort of being away from the place that put them on in the first place. But I also, I encourage you. That's what you're trying to say, man. Be away from the plantation. That's what you're trying to say. I would never make a metaphor like that. But what I am saying is that when you look at how it actually played out is that when they left No Jumper, I said like next to nothing about them for a long ass time. And then... The Jason Love storyline, a.k.a. Cut Gate, that plays out. And then uh, I start kind of doing like more media and stuff, but it's with people who don't want to ask me about the, the Figmunity exit. And then back on, or uh, Bootleg Kev hits me up. He wants to do an interview because that's why I wasn't talking to you or whatever on stream is because I just, after they left, I was just like, I have no reason to go on other people's platforms and kind of like ruminate about the last couple months. I just want to focus on what I'm doing on my channel. So I was saying no to everybody who was trying to have me on. But then I did Boo Like Kev. And I took some like extremely light jabs, if you want to go back and look at it, where basically he says, don't you think that they're making more money on their own platforms than they were making with you? And I said, fuck no. And went into a little bit of detail about the economics of what they're making off of their shared platform. Because, you know, back on Fig and Community, we're already going before all this shit. Figmunity World, the channel, is basically the thing that they started when they left No Jumper. It's not exactly uh, setting the world on fire from my perspective. Uh, the content is doing like significantly worse than it was doing when it was on No Jumper. And I was fair, per- I was just I was honest about it, that. It's unfair for you to say that because um, you were at the point where they couldn't continue to do back on fig and community so they had to make a change or no, I ne- you were going to never had that conversation i never told them that i wanted them to stop streaming or that i had any kind of issue with them streaming to be honest me taking ad off the tuesday show was me trying to get a grip on what was going on at my own business and basically like get something going on that felt like it was a little bit more under my control but i mean they left to start that channel and so th- you have to compare what they're ma- they were making on No Jumper to what they make off that channel. I can do the math in my head. I know it's probably not great. I think the reason why they- they're not out here talking about how rich they're getting off Figmunity World either, because it's just obviously it's not pulling in numbers that would suggest that they're killing it or anything like that. Hey, AD showed his space, so he said he was getting 300 a week. By the way, I will say that I think YouTube viewership just episode, and that wasn't for him. He had a set salary plus additional bonuses on top of it. So he's the, and that's why my attitude on him and my attitude on T Rail is a little bit different because AD dipped out and kind of like put hella pressure on everybody to leave on the way out. I feel like T Rail got tricked up by his spot. Because we now know, and I'm not going to get super in-depth with it, but he's in the hole for millions of dollars. He's in debt. So he probably needed that money a lot more than AD, who maybe could have afforded to take a risk. But, I mean, when you look at AD lost no jumper and caffeine in the same month. So he's definitely, like, not exactly on top of the world. He was probably expecting the caffeine check, check to keep him going while they did the figmunity thing. And then that shit got yoinked as soon as he left no jumper. So, I mean, it is what it is, but... 
I was just yeah. honest with, with Bulai Kev when he asked me some questions. And then AD basically like went on a rant, had some of his homies talk crazy, act like they were going to beat me up or whatever. And then instead of doing the thing that I would typically do, which is kind of take the high road and ignore them or whatever, I got in the trenches and I made it clear that I wasn't scared. I wasn't worried about them. They could do whatever the fuck they want. And then that is basically what encouraged them to stop talking about me because I fucking took aim at them and, and told them I didn't give a fuck about all that tough guy rah-rah shit, which I appreciated when I was seeing you do it about some other people too. But I think in general, as journalists, as media people, you, you can't you gotta you can't back down when you have the tough guys of the world telling you that they're gonna turn you into a pack. You gotta let them know, hey, I don't give a fuck. I'm not scared of you, and I'm moving right. So if you wanna try something, go ahead. That's the, the, they stopped talking the, about me as soon as I mentioned his girl. Huh? You, you kind of mentioned his girl. Uh, what's his girl? Heather. Leather. You, you call it leather? It's a word. On, it's, it's the word on the streets. But no, Yo, she 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 showed up in my DMs. She showed up in my DMs, inviting me on her mixed drink show, which is doing an impressive ten thousand views per episode. And she invited me on her fucking podcast. And I, I basically acted interested at first, and then I hit her with the boom, psych. Uh, that shit. What did I say? Psych. That shit is ass. Something like that. And I posted on my story, and then she blocked me. So I haven't been up on what leather is up to since then. But keep in mind, the only reason why I had any kind of animosity towards leather is the fact that she kept having her little fucking opinions about me on back on fig every single week, like worse than T. Rel was. She's sitting there acting all high and mighty, talking about we we got swag. I'm lit. Oh, I'm lit. She started a YouTube channel. It has a thousand subscribers. You're not lit. You're riding on T. Rowe's coattails, and he was nice enough to let you on your show. But now she gave she gave his homie COVID, so that shit is all fucked up. The fan base turned on her, so I'm just over here reading their Reddit here from time to time and just sort of you know making observations. But from my perspective, they fucked no. up. They fucked up. They yeah. left. They, they're they're making a lot less money, and they have way less of a platform, way less of an audience that they're talking to. And so that that's that's my real opinion. But after this, I'll go back to being nice and not saying shit. Hold on. How much energy? Because because how much energy do you think you spend on them as opposed to they spend on you? I mean, they're they're limited to their group chat, whereas I have freedom of speech and I can kind of just say whatever I want when people like you ask me about it on my platform. For the past couple of weeks, we have not discussed them on the No Jumper Show. I'm happy to be in that space. Uh, it might only have been like one episode since I last talked about them, but that's just I'm trying to leave it in the past. But you got to understand that. I was mortally wounded when they chose to leave and when they when they uh, chose the path of disloyalty as opposed to, you know, staying down with the person that gave them an audience in the first place. So the fact that like the No Jumper show is doing better than the Figmunity podcast or Back on Fig at this point, does that make me feel happy? Yes, it does. I'm not going to lie about that. But I'm just using it for energy. So you you see the Michael Jordan documentary where they were talking about how he would like make up beefs in his head with certain players because yeah. he, he would use that as fuel. I'm not saying that I'm making these beefs up in my head because I actually have a real reason to be aggrieved about the way that things went down. But in my head, I am harnessing that. In my head, when I'm listening to King Vaughn, he's talking about them. So I'm, I'm rocking with it. The 22-ster is using that energy, but... I'm trying to like tame myself and not just constantly go in because I feel like it's kind of like, like, and especially like I, you know, I thought of big act 
when I found out about a bunch of different stuff, like the fact that T-Rail's millions of dollars in debt and that his girl has a sordid past uh, that I won't speak on. But, you know, when I found out about that, I thought, what would academics do? Academics would have done a fucking four-hour rant on YouTube and had 10,000 viewers and be going crazy and, and everybody would have loved it. But I just, I, I'm not, I'm not you. Like, I, I just, there's, there's a certain part of me that doesn't want to bring that sort of like aggression into my life. And I just chose to kind of take the high road, but yeah, you know, I'm definitely down to go there if I feel like I need to. Damn. Nah, hey, no, hey, listen, I hope y- y'all figure it out some way, somehow. But anyway, what, what else haven't we covered? I know you probably got some questions for me. I definitely wrote some stuff down. Let me take a look. Oh, so, okay. Give me your, uh, your overall impression of the Trapper Ross young boy, uh, documentary because it, it really sent me into a young boy and Quando spiral where I've just been listening to them like crazy and they really got some of the best music of the last few years. I'm gonna be real. So I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought it was a good young boy documentary. I don't think it was necessarily um, the documentary that would be the young boy crime documentary. And I think some yeah. people watched it to kind of get what they got from the. King Von documentary to be like, hey, we're going to find out if this guy has been putting money on people's heads to get them killed. We want to, like, that's what the audience kind of wants, like, unfortunately. They want to know, like, hey, did he, is he responsible for those guys dying? And unless and, uh, Vaughn is just one of a kind, like you just you might never find another person who has the combination of being a big rap star and then also having all these bodies like with young boy. Yeah, you get you have all this death around him. But I mean, it's totally plausible that people from his gang or from his label or from like around him were doing this and that he didn't even have any fucking clue. So it's kind of like it, it can only be so interesting. I still thought it was pretty fucking phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, definitely like. I don't know if Traplo Ross will ever have source material like that again. No, no, I think he will. I think after this one, and, and if I could give him like some real constructive advice, is that, listen, first of all, you're already in that space where you're going to get so much criticism because you're doing these documentaries that's getting so much, um, like, you know, so much energy and attention. You have to start going a little bit into investigative. I'm going to be honest with you, which means you have to unearth shit that isn't public. Because right now, he's really good at compiling the publicly available shit. And I think other than Vaughn, who literally put it all in publicly available uh, places, his documentaries, I think we want to see him almost. It's kind of like what I, you ever heard of a Chicago crime scene, uh, Chicago crime scene 88 or something? Yeah. Or yeah, Chicago. yeah. Yo, that dude was saying some shit. Now, I remember watching his channel with my mouth open like, what the fuck? Like, this, no way this is true. He was saying new information that I had no idea. Years come to pass, it was all right. <laughs> the motherfucker yeah. was right all the way. And, and, I, and I think, you know, obviously that's very dangerous, number one. That's why, like, he always had, like, a voice changer. We don't even know what he looks like. But I think fans have this insatiable appetite for that. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's, because at a certain point, you're going to get to the point where just like all these dudes that Vlad interviews who are, who are they feel comfortable, they're gangsters, they're solid, whatever, but they, they feel comfortable talking about shit that happened in Tupac's era in terms of murders and shootings and shit like that because it just seems so implausible that a case could be put together against them. I mean, there are bodies that I know about from off-camera conversations 
that I can never say on camera that I'm like secretly thinking yeah. of in the back of my head, like, oh, that is the fucking documentary to make right there. But I mean, I can yeah. never bring that kind of well, thing to the table. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And but but that's that's the future of this shit is that shit being so old. And some of this shit is 10 years old. It's fucking 12 years old or whatever. When you talk about people that died in the whole Chicago shit, but that at some point, maybe even like 10 years from now, I mean, you already have a Jay Main who's comfortable. And we've, we've confirmed this story with multiple people that Fredo Santana walked up shooting at uh, at Jay Main or whatever, and that he used a, a Noblockian female as a human shield. I don't think the bullets actually hit her, but he was holding her up. I mean, that, <laughs> multiple people have fucking confirmed that. And that's just like, that's the craziest shit in the world that within like 10 years of it happening, we got to actually hear that shit on camera. It's probably bad for the future of humanity yeah, yeah. That, that we even know about that. But I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy, dude. Right before I get to Gunner, because I, 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 I want to ask you about Gunner. What do you, because I, I know I'm Van also asked you about this. No Jumper seems to be very entrenched in gang politics. Like when I go on your channel and I see the gay crip <laughs> speaks, <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm like, you, I look at him like, yo, I could never do an interview. By the way, I, the dude, it, he emailed me too. He said, hey, I did it. He sent me a picture with you and him. And I guess he has like publicists. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't get it off that I'm interviewing a gay crip. Like, I can't get it off. Not on my channel. Sure you could. Like, Why not? Everybody interviewing him. No, no, no. But hear what I'm saying. Like, it's your channel fun. has turned into, like, there's a lot of gang entrenched politics like for example like you know I was, a lot of stuff will stay you know um not said but like even when ad came and i'm talking to ad about a bunch of shit he started bringing out certain politics to me and i was like i was fucking mind blown i was like what all this shit's going down in la and then then i start putting like this one and one together kind of making it two and i start looking at the content slate that you also put up because i would always look at certain people like who the fuck is this guy where does Adam get this motherfucker to put him on camera? And you do know, you're stirring up, I'm not saying you're like telling people to do dumb shit, but you do know No Jumper is very in tune with what's happening in the gang ecosphere in LA. I mean, if you're going to be tuned in to what's popping in any rap scene in any city in America, I feel like you're basically going to end up having conversations about gangs and street shit. Like that's just where you end up, especially if you're in LA like us, it's just, that's the shit that's going on. Like it's pretty tough to talk about LA rappers without pretty quickly arriving at where they're from and what they represent because of the fact that so many people don't get along and you can't have them around each other and whatnot. I mean, so from our perspective, like if you look at no jumper pre AD, was I doing gangster ass interviews? Yes, but not nearly as much and i didn't understand as much you know like i remember even the first time i got into it with whack was pre-ad that was like 2019 and i'm sitting there having a conversation with whack with Blueface right next to him and we're talking about nipsey dying and whack for some reason you know he's he's forever down to die on a on a weird hill and his his hill that he was down to die on that day was basically saying that nipsey wasn't a legend because he didn't sell enough records or whatever, which, you know, okay, he wasn't exactly like, you know, Kendrick or, or Cole in terms of how many albums he sold. But to call him a legend seems prudent from L.A. And especially when you see how big the, the specter of his life still looms over Los Angeles all these years later. But in the middle of it, Blueface is sitting there just munching on chips, just fucking like not a care in the world. And I'm thinking in my head, like, what the fuck is this? You're a crip 
And I'm talking yeah, about yeah. the most famous dead crip of the last 20 years. And you're sitting there munching on pretzels or some shit like nothing's going on. And then I figure it out later on that where he's from doesn't necessarily get along with where Nipsey's coming from or whatever. And like, I was so oblivious and blind to how, how serious that shit is at that time. And whack ends up getting mad at me around that time because of the fact that I was doing podcasts with people like uh, BH and Jay stone and all these guys who are close to Nipsey. And I was talking to them and they were, you know, just talking about shit. And I'm saying, well, how you feel about Wax saying the Nipsey ain't a legend? And they're all saying basically fuck him or like, you know, insinuating that they were going to do something to him. That's why Wax got mad at me in the first place. But, um, do you ever feel like you're flying too close to the sun in the sense of maybe a conversation <laughs> or maybe something that happens at No Jumper might turn into some shit that happens obviously outside of No Jumper, but then they're going to reference it back to, well, this is, it started because. He said this on No Jumper. Like, that's why I kind of stay away from certain of those things right now because I'm like, you know what? Like, yo, like, I'm still getting, like, the remnants of, of the Warren Chirac kind of off of me that's kind of, like... But I, I was like just I'll thinking never- about that. Don't, don't you wish you kept doing the Warren Chirac? Um, not necessarily the Warren Chirac. You would be so doing- badass if you had just been yo. doing that channel for an extra 10 years. You would have made yo. millions of dollars... And it would have been fucking sick, and you never would have got a Spotify deal, but it wouldn't matter. It would be badass. Well, I, I wish, I wish, I, I wish I could still or kept doing like really raw content. That like, play this. The shit that I'm innately, and I think you too, drawn to is not the shit you see on Twitter all the time and plastered across every headline. Like I, at times, I act oblivious to shit, but like I know the real shit going on, and that's where the real story is. Mm-hmm. But like. E- you almost kind of get criticized in my position and be like, hey, out of everything you could put your platform on, they almost make it, they're going to tie the rope around your neck in a sense and, and blame it on you. Yeah, but, but anyway. But you open the door I'm, for people like 1090 Jake to be out here just telling any disgusting tale that happened between any gang ever. Like if you had doubled down and said, fuck the war on Chirac, I'm doing the war on America and just hired a bunch of little people to help you write scripts and talk about the worst shit that was happening in all these different cities. It would have been a very different uh, past 10 years right. of your life. I love 1090 Jake just because, and I told him this too. I said, yo, you're the new guy. And, and I've always said, I said, yo, you're going to have to make decisions that I made. Yeah. You're going to get cool with rappers. People are going to try to make you their friends because they know they got dirty shit against them. How honest are you going to keep it? And then how are you going to react when people really hate you? Mm. Because they're all going to turn on you. At first, they're going to love you. Be like, oh, this is cool because you're not talking about them. And then when you eventually talk about them, they're all going to hate you. And, yeah, you could say, yeah, you made your money. But, like, now you're going to kind of almost feel shitty about what you're doing because, yeah, the fans like you. But, like, now everybody's is going to reimagine what you're doing and make it really negative. Like, you're the reason why crime exists and why, you know, like, oh, you did a video on this rapper who stitched. He couldn't rap anymore, so he killed someone. If you didn't do they're not going to blame him for the killing. If you didn't do the rapper, if you didn't do the video on the rapper that killed his career, he would have never killed somebody. That's how they were going to be in the war Chirac. This is the whole thing is that you basically have to choose as a content creator, do you want to be a great interviewer or do you want to be a great commentator? Because as soon as you start commentating a little bit too much, then you're not going to be able to get the interviews with the really important people. If you're willing to sit and have an honest conversation about Nicki Minaj, you're ensuring that Nicki Minaj is never going to fucking sit down with you. And when you th- look at people who really like win long-term as interviewers independently, because obviously you have a huge advantage if you're at a radio station or something, but take somebody like Nardwar. Nardwar 
will never sit and have a conversation about young boy fucking beefing with Vaughn. He'll never like tell you anything about it. Like if you watch his interviews and stuff, I'm sure you can figure out stuff about him, but his content is not personal at all. And as a result, you have every pop star, every rapper, et cetera, who's down to talk to Nardwar because there's like no reason that you can come up with to dislike him. Whereas for an academic certain Adam 22, there is a whole list of reasons to not fuck with us. And if you fuck with us, you are very much choosing to kind of like ignore a bunch of shit because almost everybody that you could interview probably you shit on somebody that they're super cool with and you just kind of have to navigate that but i mean from my perspective it's like I, i'm kind of like playing both sides of it where i end up having honest conversations on the podcast and i want to be better at just having takes and talking about shit honestly but if you're really willing to go all the way in on commentary you're just not going to be able to rub shoulders with the a-listers in the game you know and people like Big Boy are able to like interview the biggest names in the game because you just don't know Big Boy to have an offensive thing to say about celebrities. That's just not really his game. And he uses that perfectly. I remember seeing you in the same room. I think I don't know if you were interviewing Thug and then Future walks in and I was like, I was like, I think both of these guys fucking hate me. <laughs> like I was like, I, I was like, at least Adam gets to be there. I think I've given commentary about like one time I heard it, like someone was like, yo. Yeah, future don't really fuck with you. I'm like, why not? And I'm like, yo, probably big this guy up out of everybody, but it's like, yo, I might have made a commentary one time about one particular thing, and I might have went in hard on him, pause. And you know what I mean? Obviously, don't like me from that. But yo, what do you think about Gunner? Who's getting that first interview? Like, like I don't know. I don't know what I said wrong about Soldier Boy. You know, it's like I just like at some point we've just all said enough about Soldier Boy, and I feel like I've really avoided it because I mean. Teddy Riley, or I hope I'm not fucking it up. I think it was Teddy Riley, right? He was on fucking Vlad talking about Soldier Boy beating his daughter and shit like that. Like, I never talked about that on camera. So for me, it's like Soldier Boy should be my homie because I never jumped on the most obvious conversation in the world, which is like act holier than thou about somebody who got caught up beating their girl, whatever. But uh, in terms of Gunna, who's getting the first interview? I mean, it's probably... Like, who's going to throw the hardest softballs? Who's going to be the friendliest? Who's going to be the nicest? I feel like a lot of the, like, down south circuit of pop... I feel like, they, like, big facts might be accommodating to him. Or, I don't know, like, somebody who's going to be... Somebody who's going to ask him some questions, but really not dig in at all. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, yo, I'm at the point where I, I'm done, like... Like, Gunna has, like, this legion of fans. And they've now casted me as a hater, but... Thug's father came out and was like, yo, um, what he said? He said, hey, we all got no problem with Gunnison. So now everybody's like, wait, I thought you said, listen, at this point, I'm like, yo, listen, because you talk to rappers behind the scenes. Every rapper I talk to behind the scenes, that's cool with Thug. Like, they're not going to say it, but they're all saying we're not fucking with them. And they're not fucking with them for clear reason. Right? Know, it's man, not I mean, like, dad, like, oh. like, do we know how close Thug is to his dad? Because what are the odds that his dad is just hella tweaked out, saying shit for the clout, and doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about? He could be a drunk motherfucker who's just really kind of like standing around outside the crib talking about shit, and he just said something that Thug would never agree to, which to me seems obvious, obvious when you see how coordinated shit was of rappers dropping their projects or whatever around the time of gonna drop in his project and all the unfollows and shit like Dirk is just not thinking that up without fucking thug at some point co-signing this as the movement right hey, yo put it like this I personally what I mean personally I personally 
got this. I, I, obviously, I'm not going to snitch on my source, but I personally got this. Don't ask me how I got it. From the only person who would have or should have got it from, that, that, that voice note that um, Doug, which, by the way, it's on the jail calls. Like, that's not no secret cell phone he has. He literally called a bunch of artists and said, yo, and it was supposed to be a whole thing. Anyway, I put it out, at, at least the one that was meant for Dirk. And you know what people say? Yo, that's AI. That's when I realized there's a legion of fans that just want to believe somehow Young Thug is in jail just rooting for Gunner like, yo, I, we love him. Now, I'm not picking sides here, but clearly, dude, he doesn't feel that way. Well, it's it's like the way also I, what I assume happened with his dad. Like, think of, you know how like there'll always be a headline that is like Fredo Bang says he does not have beef with NBA young boy. And it's like, OK, yeah, he said that. He was obviously oh, yeah. fucking with you, and you're just not smart enough to get it. But people will just roll with it and just act like it's a real thing. The same way that, like, I mean, remember when FBG Cash was saying, oh, Lil Dirk told me to go take a photo at the King Vaughn Memorial. And people were no. reporting on it like this is a real thing. It's like they're trolling the media to piss off no. their ops, and you guys are too fucking stupid to get it, which is the no. problem with when it was just us interviewing rappers and talking about rappers, it was a lot easier to get to the, the real thing that was going on. And now you got so many fucking Bobby Altoffs in the mix. Fool, though. Huh? I got even fooled. Like when I interviewed, I, I did the King Vaughn's like last interview, and he literally, when I asked him about Duck, he's like, yo, we squashed the beef. Yeah. We squashed the beat before he died. And then all of a sudden, he put the camera up and I hear snickering, but I'm not connecting it. But but I was like, no, his mom said, yeah, I did squash the beef. He's like, how's the mom going to know? Really squashed the beef with him. And I believed it for two seconds. And I felt stupid believing that because in the moment, just being so caught up in an interview, I'm like, maybe he really did. And I realized Vaughn's the biggest troll ever. Yeah. The whole serial thing. I wasn't up on that. I wish I knew about all that shit when I fucking interviewed him. It would have been so sick. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Uh, what else is going on in hip hop? Hey, do you get into these girls' beef or not? Like, like you know, the girls—they're all going at each other. Which one, uh, Nikki? And Cardi. I mean, a little bit. I've seen you reporting on the fucking Cardi Meg war. I mean, it, it's it's cool, but I I don't know. I kind of have a hard time like getting like super invested in it. I'm I'm more into the pop star wars. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift. I heard they don't fuck with each other. That's like the new young boy and Dirk. <laughs> Hey, speaking of which, because I know clearly you obviously, I, I, I don't even think people, uh, obviously you have a root in hip-hop, but I think No Jumper is is not just a hip-hop podcast. Like, like for example, I could see like you getting, like, with Destiny. Like, I love when Destiny gets on your channel, Descent 3rd. You know, um, it's, it's more open. Anyway. No, okay, take, but I want to say this, is that, so you, I think like when you came into podcasting, you sort of yeah. thought you were only going to talk to the top rappers or whatever and i think you kind of got like a reality check that there's not that many top rappers and that yeah. a lot of these mother like you kind of have to end up interviewing a jay main or a john zerka or whatever because i mean really at the end of the day if you ask me me or you we're kind of limiting ourselves by thinking about ourselves as like hip-hop commentators or hip-hop content creators because we've seen with speed and kai and aiden that it's not really about hip-hop it's about just making entertaining content and people want to see that shit. And the more that you like focus in and make yourself like super hip hop specific, I mean, I think you're kind of like limiting yourself because the fans just want to have a good time. They want to see entertaining content. And I think just like really committing yourself to only talking about hip hop, it will kind of limit you in that way, right? Yes. 
like with me, like there's a there's definitely a strong foothold in hip hop because like I kind of branded myself as yo, I'm gonna give you like the insider shit. It's like you remember ESPN insiders, they're gonna tell you what's really going on in the locker room. So like that that's why I always I always like beyond the story, I'm gonna always let people know what the fuck is going on behind the scenes. I might not give up the names, but I'm gonna give you the relevant conversations. I think that kind of gets a lot of people like, yo, we really fuck with him for that, but there's definitely a ceiling to it, right? Like there's like I feel like I've hit my my head on that ceiling multiple times to say, hey, as a hip hop platform, is there any more growth, realistic growth to be had? Um, or do I have to kind of expand outside of hip hop? I mean, I've kind of turned into like the pivot in the sense to say, well, well, you got all the dudes that like music, right? But there's women that also like music, even if they don't like music as much. You need to also cater to women a bit. Um, but yeah, like I, I just feel like there's a ceiling though. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I think about that a lot too. Like at this point, the biggest rapper interview I get is still like, gonna gain us like probably a couple thousand subscribers or whatever whereas like i think we got like the most subscribers we ever got in a day from the day that uh blueface fucking got his bitch thrown out of here on with sharp or whatever like because that actually like expands and goes into a different category you know and it's like at a certain point whether it's me you like and I, and I always see like younger creators talking about like oh yeah like doing content isn't about money or whatever it's it's about getting a new audience and it's like I remember when I felt that way. I remember when I was still optimistic about growing my audience because at a certain point, it's like you just kind of feel like, oh, everybody in this space already fucking knows who I am. I, and so it's just the world doesn't seem as open and infinite at a certain point uh, once you really like. You at know. this point, I feel like we all have these waves. So it's like, oh, OK, like if I drop like a fire interview, right? Like after the Dirk shit, everybody's like, yo, yo, we want to like right now is very so Dirk young boy centric. We're all going to act. And then when you have something pop off, it could be with like anything that's viral. It could be with YBJ main or anything else that happens. People, people are going to you a lot to say, oh, okay. We want to kind of like, but there's nobody in the space that knows me that I don't think knows you. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of pointless to like beef and shit at a certain point, because it's just not really going to do anything for you. Whereas like if young boy said, fuck Adam 22 or put my name in a song or whatever, like baby did with you. That's huge. That's like fucking making yeah. you a part of the yeah. conversation in a way that is way, way, way different. Yo, that's why, that's why I stopped. Um, um, that's why I stopped going back and forth with your co-host. Like, bro, I felt stupid. Like, I'm very emotional with, with like, my responses. And I don't really care about the size or whatever of, like, who I'm responding to. And I think I responded once. They responded. Then I responded again. And then all of a sudden, I, I could feel it, it was going to be like, oh, no, we're doing this tit-for-tat thing, like, long-term-wise. And you're about to just, like, build this person up. And I only ever did that even though it wasn't a back and forth. It was just pure hate with Ruri and Mealy Maul. And I really dislike that motherfucker. I, I don't feel like, like they ever really like appreciated being part of your narrative in a way that like you saw with Brick Baby when they told him on the news that Ak had a, a clip up about you or whatever. He's like, oh hell yeah, Ak clout boost yeah, or some shit like that. Uh, which I don't think Rory or, or Ma were ever happy that you were talking about him. Yeah, yeah, but, but but they don't understand like the space like that. Like they're supposed to want to take part in that. <laughs> they're supposed to want to. Like, those dudes were, were, were so... And that's what I was even telling AD. I'm like, you can't lay down and die. Yeah. Like, I'm like, all right, cool. You might feel like you guys are doing other things, but once Adam now is finally responding, you got to defend yourself a little bit because the audience 
wants to, it's still kind of like the gladiator type of uh, of wave. But here's the thing: you can't kill an Adam Twenty Two. You can't kill a Vlad. You can't kill academics. What if you're not those people? You could have these drastic spikes because you're not synonymous with what's going on on the daily or weekly occurrence of how the news cycle is, mm. right? So it's like you got to like if you're trying to really make it and you're not them, you got to make your, your name be heard consistently in the cycle. Should I remember like yo? These days, I I really like beefing with rappers. Like sometimes I'm like, damn, I'm friends with too many of these motherfuckers. Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, when Baby dissed me, I was like, great. When Meg dissed me, I was like, lovely. When yeah. Erica Badu, like, well, Erica Badu, I just went crazy on. Well, that that's but, one thing that I really appreciated, or you know, thought was kind of fascinating because I had never really thought about like the origins of the Vaughn and YoungBoy thing. And when you really mm -hmm. go back to it, and Trap Trapper Ross's documentary kind of made this point. It's like. Yes, there was shit with girls that caused tension, but really at the end of the day, I think Vaughn was cynical and devious enough to realize that you're only going to get so far beefing with FBG Duck. You know, like Duck is just not a national yeah. artist to the extent that somebody like Youngboy is. And Vaughn realized like, well, I'm a real killer. This guy is, is you know, to whatever extent, not as serious about the street life as me. I might as well just beef with young boy and yeah, it's going to make a bunch of people hate me, but fuck it. I could just do it. Like who gives a shit and no, nothing's better than Chicago. I'm, I'm going crazy on him. So like, I mean that that's like evil as fuck, but also genius as fuck because you're really like, but, but then at the same time, I feel like, you know, I don't think loon has got a great reception from basically trying a young boy, you out the game. Like he, he thinks he's Vaughn and he thinks you're a young boy. That's it doesn't no, seem no, like no. it's really working out. I thought that was a misstep. Um, I thought it was a misstep by him, but also I, I I thought I still think it's a misstep by Charlemagne as well. I think Charlemagne is 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 kind of putting a a, a a horse bet on him being maybe close to what Taxstone is, except like he's not he's not nowhere close to being a great orator like Taxstone. He has zero real organic energy. Like Taxstone was the guy on Twitter. That was so aggressive. That was so on it, and so much had like this audience that even if you wanted to ignore him, you kind of couldn't. And when he came to the podcast game, it, he was one of those first Twitter people that it transcended. So like that guy, like you know, what I mean, I, I, I realized like actually Joe told me this, and that's why I was I stopped response to your co-host as well though. It was just like, hey, listen, some of these guys you could just weed out. Like obviously, get your shit off, right? Like you know, what I mean. Like, drop 30 on them or drop 60. But after that, let them sit with your voice being louder and then let them now fight those narratives while you don't respond. Like, that loon nigga, I will never, like, I will never respond to him again. Right. But you kind of did that. I think you were kind of doing that. Well, you, you bombed on a little bit. What's the dude on Joe Bunn's podcast? And by the way, what's up with you and Joe? There's a little bit, there's something going on there. Yeah, there's something going on. I mean, I could get into it a little bit. I mean, I just felt like I didn't appreciate... The fact that Joe basically, like, I always appreciated you and respected the fact that in 2018, when I first got Me Too'd, that Ooh. I hit you up and you gave me a sympathetic platform in the sense that, yes, you were fucking with me a little bit and asking me questions and you were repeating shit that was being said in the chat and stuff and trying to get to the, you were being fair while still keeping it a little bit entertaining. But, mm -hmm. you know, when all that shit was going down and people trying to, like, recancel me, I had multiple different people in the industry hit me up because it was being advertised that I was going to be on Joe Budden's amp show. I had multiple different people in the industry telling me, don't do it because 
Joe Budden is a fucking scumbag and he's just going to, you know, fuck with you and like make the shit entertaining or whatever. And over here, I'm a fucking idiot thinking that Joe's a decent guy. And I think, oh, I'm going to go on this podcast with him and he's going to be, you know, at least help me. You could say whatever, repeat whatever shit that's been in the media. Because keep in mind, nothing new was coming to the table at this point. It was just a rehash of shit that had already been said about me. And Joe instead gave me like the shittiest, most annoying fucking answers to like everything and totally like, you know, basically screwed me over. And the reason why I did that is because of the fact that I showed up solo dolo to his fucking basement and did that podcast with all of them, cooked them, won the battle. His Reddit voted that I won the battle and I kind of like took a little victory lap and had multiple clips about it where I was, uh, you know, celebrating the fact that I washed a bunch of old ass men in a basement. And I think Joe like really kind of took that personal and decided to kind of intentionally try to inflict pain upon me during the course of that that piece of content. And I really didn't appreciate it. And uh, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I do have so much respect for Joe as a content creator and everything that he's brought to the table. Like I can't ignore that. But also, yeah, yeah. I felt like I saw his true colors in that piece of content. And just, basically just makes me like, oh, why didn't I? Li-? It's like when you're fucking with a girl and everybody telling you she's a piece of shit. And then at some point yeah. you figure out she's a piece of shit. It's like, oh, why the fuck was I not listening to all these people who told me like that I was crazy for fucking with Joe like that? You know, the, only, the only thing I was really uh, surprised by, um, I had heard that that interview, which I thought was going to be very sympathetic because I heard that was supposed to be an introduction to you having an amp show. And I was like, okay, so this is the, hey, welcome to amp thing. And it turned into your piece of shit crush him because and- joe is a jealous motherfucker who of course he's, he sees somebody else getting some some money he's probably getting way more at that time but he sees somebody else gonna gonna get some and somebody who just watched him on his own platform obviously joe's gonna want to do something about that right yeah i'm gonna be honest I, I haven't seen him handle many people in the media like you um, and I don't know if, if, if that energy only comes from what you're saying in terms of when you went there the first time. I think it was almost like, hey, listen, you know what? Like, this is kind of like Vlad Jr. And we could just say fuck. Because I, I think if it was anybody else, I think you would have dealt with it a little bit different. Like, like you've seen, he, he went with um, Gillian Wallow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they had a little couple little jabs here and there. But they all sat down and shit, if anything, that shit was really like, um, constructive and it was really respectful. You know what I mean? Your shit was kind of like, you know, drop the guillotine on this motherfucker's neck, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, Joe, Joe's channel gets like 10 million views a month. Uh, no Jumper last month, I think, got like 45 million. So, he, he said something to AD about how we were irrelevant. So, I'm still trying to figure out how we're doing like five times as many views as you and we're irrelevant. But I guess there are certain things that we'll never know. Um, I also just wanted to say this. I have a huge, I have to go after this because I have to do an interview, but I have a huge amount of respect for Tony Yayo. You want to know why? Because Tony Yayo, when G-Unit blew up and 50 was, you know, at the helm of that shit, he knew that no matter what, even if he had to deal with some, some ups and downs, some bumps on the road, he knew that he had to hold 50 down because 50 was the superstar. And he, everything good that came to him in his career was as a result of the fact that 50 was a superstar and he was 50's boy from back in the day. Now, this is all respect due to Yeo because I huge, always loved him and I love him on Vlad and I'm, I'm glad to see him back in the public eye more. But I say all that to say 
I think AD lost sight of the fact that I'm 50 and he's Yeo. Yeah. I'm just saying, like that 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 really is what happened. And so you know you call AD Tony Yeo. But Ye- 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 Yeo never tried to start H unit. You know, he never tried to start Q unit. I don't know. But like I think AD at a certain point he believed that he really was that guy. And that was not, you know, and and he found out that he wasn't in a very painful way. Oh, you gotta stop. Nah, I, I'm, gotta, I'm being real. Stop, bro. Stop you gotta what? stop. Yo, I got, I got all the love in the world for him. When he's ready to go to to come back, I'll be here. Fifty will no, always no, no, be no, here. No, no, no. Nah, actually, it, it, if you violate fifty one time, you're never coming back. So I guess it is a little different. No, nah, man, he not know. You understand? If you say the game or Lloyd, man, you can't say. You can't say. You no. Nah, come on, come on, come on. Yo, eventually y'all gonna squash that, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's gonna be a, a beautiful time. I do think. I do think you're poking at AD. I don't even think does he respond. He doesn't respond, right? Um, I think one time though he's going to let loose, and this is the only thing. And, and, you know, we can wrap after this. This is the only thing I've always thought about you doing that with people that have ever been around me. Not like there are like you know fucking really secrets to be held, but sometimes you don't want to get in a war of words with them. You know what I mean? Like, like he's probably seen shit or known things about you. You don't want him to be like. like I know a person like me. When it's there, it's there. So it's like, all right, fuck it. We about to just, you know, if, if everything if AD, listen, it, I'm gonna start the dynamite. Everything AD got to say, he already said a long time ago. So I mean, I don't think he got anything left in the tank. I mean, what, what, what are you gonna say about me? Oh, you're gonna call me a rapist and a pedophile. You're gonna point out that a guy fucked my wife. You're gonna say you're a pussy. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm a pussy. You're gonna say you're tough. Okay, you're tough. I mean, like, what what are we really? What, what's still on the table that's gonna be so devastating and career ending for me that hasn't already been said? Hey, listen, this is why you always gotta have something in the tuck. You know what I mean? Well, you're gonna call me racist. So, I mean, you, yo. you've already I've been called racist by better. I'm going to be real. Like no, no offense to him, but like I've had the best in the business call me racist and I'm still out here. Black dude yo. in the background. Yo, yo, first of all, you you um <laughs> you're you've eight miles yourself. Uh I still think that there's there's ways, but anyway, you know, uh listen, hopefully everything goes good, man. Yo, we um, do this last more thing. Often. Yo, last thing. Um, I don't know when you're coming um, on this coast next. I know I'll be on the West Coast either. I, I got to actually really lock down the time because we have a bunch of things we, we got to get done over there. Um, you will have Brick Baby at the crib, right? We will keep, there, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep you what? away from the Brick just like we, we keep Brick away from the Whack and Whack away from the Crip Mac and all this shit. But, hey, we also got to work on the uh, end of the year awards because – we are going to take over. We don't have a name yet. We don't have an LLC yet, but Adam, yeah, Vlad, Academics, and Sean Cotton are yeah, coming together like because all these award shows suck ass and dog dick. We cannot let these motherfuckers tell the story of who's doing the best shit in this community at this point in time. We need a panel of real motherfuckers who know what's going on to actually announce who's the, the best. Uh, the hip-hop platform, like, nominees, like, I couldn't even give that energy. I couldn't even waste breath on it. Like, yo, BT is so trash. And, and you know what? Like, I feel like every time I go off on them, it almost gives them type of energy. But, man, yeah, I agree with you. Let's do our own shit, and let's, let's keep that shit going. That's why I thought the funniest shit was as soon as T-Rail leaves No Jeopardy, he clicks up with BET. I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. Ops clicking up. Here we go. <laughs> yo, yo, you gotta stop taking shots at these guys, man. But hold on, who are you interviewing? 
Uh, no comment. I don't want to put their safety oh. at risk, but uh, I. Trip again? No, I mean, if he came in here. Contracts? Huh? You signed these guys to recurring contracts, like, like for example, Jay Main's been on a platform like ten times. Jay Main only been on the platform like three or four times, so it's not that serious. But yeah, I'm at I mean, yeah, we, yeah, at least do like a little ten day contract. Anybody who's seeing motion, you got to get them in a contract for sure. But I mean, try to avoid it until you got to do it. Hey, by the way, last question. Yeah, you know, I got you threw your little joints. I got to throw my joints. Hey, I remember the whole conversation I was having with Sharp when he said he was not a worker. That was when he was saying he was a partner with the Sharp Tank. I see that nigga on the news. I see that nigga everywhere. I see that nigga sweeping up the place one time. <laughs> no, could you Sharp? Could you admit now here? Could you admit? Much respect you, to the DJ Academics on. Plantation or whatever you call it, and whoever you got working on your farm, but Sharp. Fucking kills it. He's a great guy. We we have incentivized him to take part in things with money by coming and doing shit like the news. People love Sharp. Yes, he's got bad breath. He smokes parliaments all day. It is what it is. But I'm just kidding. He don't got bad breath. But he, he's got like intense cigarette breath sometimes. But So shout out to the Sharp Tank. Coolest, sharpest, most academic podcast in the world. Ha ha. I just outroed you. You're still going to be on stream, so it won't matter. He's the best... Is he the best janitor at No Jumper? I've never seen his uh, sweeping skills, but if you've uh, if you've got That's a niece my, who wants my, to go make some money man. at a truck stop, I think he, he could definitely take care of you. Hey, man. All right, Adam. All right. This is good, man. Hey, listen. Uh, you know, we, we got to get up a couple more times before the end of the year, but of course, we're going to get that together. If you guys didn't realize what we kind of already told you was coming, some more content, man. Yeah. Uh, 